0: and was
1: and was hilt. Their mine, the mason
0: built. Their battle pearl and Welcome back listeners to another episode of Riddles in the Dark Digest. It's been a while um, uh, and uh, I am the co-host uh, of Riddles in the Dark and Riddles in the Dark Digest, Dave Kale. And uh, with me is the um, lovely and talented and uh, very on top of everything organized (laughs) Trish Lambert. (laughs)
2: Hello, (laughs) what a great uh, uh, what a great intro! I'm I'm going to record that and use that. I'll use it in my you know my voicemail you know when you do the thing where people can hear something before the the thing rings.
0: (laughs) I think that's a good idea. Lovely, talented, and and on top of
2: things. That's right. That's right.
0: Well, I mean, you're you're the one that's keeping you're like the last last few weeks, even the last month. You're the one that's keeping this thing going, because because uh, uh, Corey's busy with the new that's semester true. of Mythgard, and I'm incredibly distracted with that's my true. with my new school and still still making my adjustment into to the 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 life of a, a school student. School student. Wow. School student. Um, <laughs> of a student, and so. Um, so you're the thing. You're you're the person that's keeping the the wheels from coming off. So, that's true. Uh, and so all
2: you have to do is just just get emails from me ever so often, loaded with information, and then when you have a moment, you can look at it, and then we're yep. off to the races. So that's good. Yeah. No, I've been happy to do it. It's been really good. And you're right. I mean, both of you have been super busy, and Corey yeah. not just with the Mythgard, but also with his book coming out. Yeah. Um. Boy, has he gotten busy, 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 busy. So. Okay. Um, yep. but I will admit that putting all this stuff together has got me kind of banging my head against the wall quite a bit. <laughs> I'm I am that. well, no, not, not actually getting the riddles in the dark stuff together, but what's got me banging my head against the wall is, you know, we're kind of ramping up on material that's getting, um, you know, published either through Warner brothers or through licensed vendors or whatever. And we've got, you know, some of those stuff we can go over if we have time today, but i'm getting more and more concerned about the storyline on this movie i mean i'm just like i'm feeling a little in despair today about i have a i have this fear that this movie is not is going to line up even worse with the book than the lord of the rings did <laughs> i mean it's just you know we got the nazgul and we got well, the we, spiders and roscapella and oh my god the
0: the value judgment and say it it it's they're doing far more adaptation uh, or, or they're making more changes because, I mean, line up worse. I know what you're saying. What you're saying is that it's it's going to be it's going to deviate more from the main the main proper canonical storyline of the book. Well, And also the important pieces, you know, like, for example, Bilbo's character arc.
2: I think they're really messing with that character arc in terms of, you know, how the spiders is really the first time in the book that he really you know steps Mm -hmm. out on his and I I just you know we can talk about this in more detail later but it's just like that stuff you know situational stuff and having Legolas in it and Tori I mean that stuff doesn't really bother me too much I've kind of gotten okay with the Nazgul thing in terms of rationalizing why that would be there given that we want to connect it across and it's a movie audience but there's some other stuff going on that it's just like you know it's the it's the it's the baseline thread of the story that I feel like is getting messed with. But anyway, so I'm so I've mm-hmm. taken a break from hitting my head against the wall to do this digest with you.
0: Ah, well, I'm sorry. Please, uh, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, I, my experience, of course. Maybe this is just because I haven't been paying too close attention to the news but my experience in general with this podcast has been that it's that it's actually very cathartic that um that 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 participating in it makes me feel less apprehensive about the films and more somewhere somewhere in the somewhere in the space i wouldn't say i wouldn't say necessarily optimistic although i certainly am excited but i would say more in the space of um um uh, uh, between between cautiously optimistic and <laughs> resigned.
2: Right. I, I think the best I'm going to be able to do is resigned. But you're right. I think this podcast, both as a listener and now as a participant, is definitely helping me. I, I met a woman the other day. Actually, I've known her for a while, but I didn't realize she was such a Tolkien fan. And I mean, she's really a Tolkien fan. I, I when I forget how I brought it up. But she was talking me about Lord of the Rings, and she brought up, has never heard any of Corey's podcasts, and she brought up about in Lord of the Rings how in the movies they changed, she was so upset that how they changed Faramir, and how they, ch- you know, it's like all of the stuff that Corey hits on, she's hitting on, I'm like, oh my God, you have to listen to this podcast. Then I said, well, we were doing this, I said, have you paid any attention to the movie stuff? And she said, no, she's not, she doesn't want to pay any attention, she just wants to go see it, and I am going to have to go back to her and say, look, I really think you should pay attention, because if not, your head is going to explode. When you go see this movie, if you have not paid any attention to the movie stuff, yeah. <laughs> she's yes. gonna be really upset. The only,
0: if you're if you're if you're a super fan and you read the books and all that sc- stuff, if you're not listening to tell actually, you're, if you're listening to this, then you already know this, so right. you're fine. If you have friends who are super Tolkien fans who aren't listening to this, if they're the kind of people that might be upset or disturbed by changes. Um. Um. You must. You must recommend that they listen to this.
1: I agree. I agree. And I'm not
0: just doing this as a as a as a um as a a, a, a shameless attempt to expand our listenership or to encourage you to evangelize people to listen, but you should do that. But, but, but I really am saying this for the sanity of your friends. Yeah. You must get them to listen to this. Otherwise, otherwise they're, they're, they're going to be upset about the films. And oh, much, oh,
2: true. It's true. If they're
0: watching it with you, they're going to ruin your, your viewing of it <laughs> along, with, along with that of everybody else in the theater. So so do them and yourself and everyone else a favor. Tell them to listen to this podcast, and then they will be um, uh, somewhat mollified. Not completely.
2: Yeah, but it's true. I mean, I think if I wasn't, if I wasn't involved with this, I, I would, my head would be exploding when I went to see, I mean, I I might even, I don't usually do this, but I mean, I could even conceive myself walking out of the movie. I mean, it's just, so thank heavens we're doing this because at least, like you say, I, I don't know that I'll ever get to cautiously optimistic, but resigned, I am expecting to at least hit the movie resigned. <laughs> so
0: yes that that's my goal too. My goal is to be to be resigned and therefore um uh subdued in my response
2: right 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 and thank heavens I'm gonna get to see this with a whole bunch of other Tolkien professor people
0: yeah that's that now that is true um uh i think I think my fiance would appreciate it if i've if I've seen it once before I watch it with her so that, right. so that I don't i I guess actually I could backfire because then I might be sitting there going. Oh, wait until you Here see this. this part. Oh, <laughs> God. this part, it completely changed. Oh, you know, I guess, I, I should, I, should I actually
2: mention the fact, I mean, the announcement may have come out by the time this podcast goes out, but I do want the listeners to know that this weekend. Yeah, let's
0: talk about it a little bit. Unofficial soft announcement.
2: Unofficial soft announcement because, I mean, Corey's really putting this all together, but I do have a few of the details. First of all, listeners, this weekend is going to happen. It's December 15th, 16th. So it's the day after the initial, you know, uh, global premiere or the U.S. premiere of the movie, Uh, Saturday the 15th, Sunday the 16th. Corey has made a deal with the um, theater. Uh, It's in Baltimore. It's in Hanover, Maryland. Um, And in fact, I can even put probably the, the URL of the theater, you know, on the site with this podcast. Um, it's going to be a 48 frames per second 3d movie as far as I know. So, I mean, I think we're going to get to see the whole nine yards. Um, but it's not just the movie. It's Corey's planning a whole, like basically a day and a half Saturday to midday Sunday. So folks can fly out, you know, and get back home Sunday, uh, late Sunday. So, um, Corey is planning things to be close to the Baltimore, Washington Airport, so people will be able to get in and out easily. People that are traveling, you know, from elsewhere, and um, the idea is to have, you know, some serious like panel discussions. We'll definitely do a riddles in the dark. You know, figure out the, what the right answers are and figure out who the winners are, not just of the analysts, but also of the people that are participating. And by the way, we have over a hundred people right now who have opted in on participating on the Facebook page to this, you know, this contest. And um, big banquet on Friday, Saturday night, and I mean a bunch of other stuff. Corey will be on hand to uh, sell and, and and sign books, and I'm trying to talk him into like a special T-shirt, you know, a logo for the weekend, and all kinds of stuff. So it's, I mean, we do we have high ambitions.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: So, but uh, but the bottom it's gonna line gonna be is super fun. Yeah, the bottom line is is anybody who wants to travel in. Fly into the Baltimore Washington Airport if you can get a or if you can get a better deal. Philadelphia is not too far away, but plan try to get there Friday night so that you can come to first breakfast on Saturday and then we go to the movie some like mid morning on Saturday.
0: Yep, that sounds awesome. Um, I like the, I like this idea. I feel like if you're uh, if you're if you're looking to go to a to, if you're looking to attend a Hobbit viewing type event. Um, and uh and you're willing to travel, but you're not willing to travel to, say, New Zealand, which <laughs> there's there's two separate trips going to New Zealand. There's the um the Middle Earth Network one and then there's also to the one ring dot net one. It's oh, wow. kind of kind of silly that they couldn't coordinate those, but whatever. Um but if you're not willing to do that, um but you still would like to go watch this with a bunch of um, with a bunch of hardcore geeks and people that you've listened to from from the uh, podcasts or or that you've interacted with on the internet, um, and you're willing to travel uh, or fly, then I highly recommend folks go to this. I yeah, think definitely. Gonna be, it, it'll That's be gonna it's going to be such fun to watch it with Corey. It, obviously, <laughs> it won't be quite as awesome as going to New Zealand to to watch it. And uh, I, for one, I'm going to be saving up to go on one of the next two hobbit release film uh uh new zealand trips probably probably next probably next year's i don't think i would go since the third movie's coming out in the summer um uh that would be winter new zealand time i don't think i'll go to that one i'm gonna try to go next year but um, yeah
2: i think this is a you know a good second a good second choice
0: um so uh what else is going on you you uh how are things with you beyond the fact that i'm trying to you know i'm beating my head against the wall <laughs> yeah
2: well actually things are going really well you know i'm in the middle of doing the uh story of the hobbit class with Corey. i mean this is i mean again i don't really want to make this a shame i don't mean to make this a shameless promotion but it's really interesting given the course that we're doing these podcasts and the movies coming out that we're doing the mm-hmm. story of the hobbit and we had john ratliff who who wrote the history of the hobbit it's a two volume set of you know he actually got access to all of Tolkien's papers and manuscripts and literally tracks the hobbit from like the very first, you know, handwritten version all the way through and it's really interesting to sort of see you know kind of the evolution of this story cuz you know we take it so for granted. We've all read it umpteen up times, you know, it's almost kind of like you don't really think too much about you know, you just kind of like, Oh, well he just wrote it and it came out just the way it is in the book <laughs> and that's not the case. Although I will admit that a lot of it is very similar. I mean it's amazing how much still stands from the very, very beginning stuff. So that's a really, really interesting course. And other than that, you know, keeping busy with work and my rat guest uh household here with all the dogs and parrots and horses and stuff.
0: <laughs> and I know Do you them you've been serving you dinner yet? No,
2: they haven't done that. If it's if anything it's the other way around, you know. They uh <laughs>
0: They do remind so, okay, me. Yeah, actually, uh, that's what makes your house a Radagast house and not a Bjorn house is the fact that you feed the animals. Right. And, them <laughs> you. and I do acupressure and I, you know, divine the future when I right. tickle their tummies. Torture, and so, yeah. torture <laughs> hedgehogs.
2: They are really good about telling me when it's time to feed the horses because they know that in the evenings because they know that when the horses get fed in the evenings, they get to go for a walk. So it's a completely uh. self-centered thing for that, but anyway that's
0: that's that's well that's pretty good
2: <laughs> and um, you've been busy and you've been watching a lot of football because i see every week i get facebook things about your commentary well, i watch and...
0: i watch stanford pretty faithfully now they the last couple of years of, of andrew luck um uh, and good seasons have have turned me into an actual stanford football fan so <laughs> even even now that he's gone and they're not quite as good i still watch it pretty faithfully <laughs> So, yeah, I've been I've been really incredibly busy with school um, uh, and I'm still sort of still adjusting to the to my new life and trying to get on top of things and get organized and and uh, uh, get back into the swing of things of going to classes and doing yeah. research. Yeah, but that I, is. I'm getting there and I'm hoping I'm hoping when I'm slightly more organized that I'll be able to be. Uh, more responsive in terms of actually interacting with people on the Facebook page and the and the Mythgard site and stuff. So I'm getting there, folks. And yeah, I haven't. I don't really take to face. I, I don't really check Facebook regularly or Twitter uh, the the last last month. So sorry about that, people. But I promise I'm uh, I will resurface. Okay, may well, not be until Christmas,
2: but I will. We're holding the fort down. So just so I yeah. should actually let you know because you probably haven't seen, but the faces in the dark faces in the dark. Riddles in the Dark, Face in the Dark riddle page, the Riddles in the Dark Facebook page, um, predictions page, we have, we're, I think we're close, we're getting closer and closer to about 200, 200, no, not 200 people, but anyway, 100, there's 100, almost 110 people have, you know, signed on to be officially tracked as far as their answers to the riddles and whatnot, which is oh, really cool, awesome. so... Yeah, and we're actually getting – we're figuring out how we can get prizes and whatnot. And, you know, like over that weekend, even if people aren't at the weekend, they can still – you know, they'll still get something. So, um, Yeah, so that's really fun. And there's a lot of conversation going on over there too, and folks are really engaged and whatnot. So that's been a lot of fun. Good. So when you come back, be sure and visit that page too.
0: All right, I will. So um, maybe, we should, uh, maybe we should start – Moving rapidly toward uh, um, actual <laughs> rules in the dark material. That's a good idea. <laughs> um, uh, there, there was a ton of so. So, just briefly, there was a there's a ton of stuff in the news that that's been piling up that we haven't had a chance to discuss, and this isn't really. Neither neither riddles in the dark nor the digest are actually technically news discussion sites, although we frequently stray into it if we think it's uh, particularly this is relevant. This
2: probably more more secrets of the
0: hobbit stuff. Yes. Isn't it? yes. Yeah. So I'm gonna I'm actually gonna steal a lot of these notes. Yeah, I definitely do. <laughs> um but uh there there's been a bunch of fun things there's lego sets out um warner brothers announced a, a, a an extended edition of film one is that which right? i think is hilarious i mean i just am like oh my god you know now we've got we've extended to three films and we're going
2: to be getting yeah, extended and editions and we're
0: extending it even more jeez <laughs> that's pretty amazing <laughs> it is it is um uh there's a new movie scroll out this one isn't particularly controversial and there's you no know, spoilers or anti-spoilers yeah, right. in it um there's uh figurines coming out there's a company selling all kinds of you know uh, all etchings kinds of memorabilia and whatnot, yeah. etchings and, and glass etchings and cells and whatnot that you put in there there's the that that fascinating um Billy Connolly uh, interview that that, that uh, Corey and I interacted with some people on Twitter over where he basically says that he uh, thinks that Tolkien fans are creepy. <laughs> um, oh, and so. you know what's
2: what's not on here is that uh, poster, the poster that came out that has a, has Bolg on it. Um, I didn't. Oh yeah, here, so there's that. That would be weird. Uh,
0: yeah. uh, do we know for a fact that's Bolg, or is that could it potentially be Azog?
2: Um, the, this toy, the toy figures of Bolg, if you look at the photos, the, 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 the packaging that has Bolg and Gandalf, I think it's Bolg and Gandalf together, um, yeah. in the, in the bottom corner on the side where Bolg is, there's the same picture. So that's where I'm drawing that it's Bolg and not Azog that's in the poster. Cause it's the okay. same, it's the same drawing.
0: All right. And for a
2: while, and frankly, I was, you know, I was kind of channeling Dave Kale actually because somebody said, Are we sure this is official? Because it didn't say The Hobbit opens December 14th at the bottom like they usually do. Mm -hmm. And I was like, You know, you've got a good point here. Maybe it's not an official. And then I started thinking about it. I thought, This is is really a detailed poster. And it's got scenes we haven't seen before. And, you know, I just, how would somebody do that? And then when this sell, this, um, company that sells glass etchings and whatnot they've released a version of this poster and they're licensed to warner brothers so that for me was again forensically speaking okay this has got to be official
0: right Yep.
2: and then the, the toy figure of the great goblin did verify that the body that falls on the dwarves at the end of the trailer is the great goblin
0: huh wow See, giant know. ogre looking, ogre looking like a uh, goblin, but yeah,
2: yeah, and the one ring. I mean, I think it was one ring or the comic, but whatever. I think it's the one. I put, they actually put like they actually did like a close up of the toy, and it's really gross. <laughs> 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 it's kind of like a goblin Jabba the Hut kind of thing, you know? You I really mean, want just, kids playing with that stuff. I know. I just it's like I don't know. That's really strange right. to me. Um, it's like, mommy, I want a goblin king. I want a great goblin for Christmas.
0: Yes. <laughs> so, um, the the one the the one piece that we're going to discuss in detail is uh, is an interview from Richard Armitage dating all the way back to Comic Con. Is that right? Yeah, and it's actually a a, a a collage
2: that I created from a few different Comic Con uh, interviews that are out on YouTube.
1: Ah, and I an and audio
0: I, I,
2: collage yes this is a trish you know a trish thing where i i picked up on some really interesting pieces from various interviews and i put them together into this little um perfect three minute that put, video that puts us audio. that
0: puts us even more squarely in the realm of fair use when we include this thing in the uh in the podcast <laughs> there you go <laughs> um cool yeah. uh and um and we'll 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 make sure when we yeah we'll talk about that a little bit more to, to properly source it or when we include it to properly source it and everything um, yeah but uh, so we're gonna include that toward the end we're gonna include we're actually gonna include the entire recording uh, and then we're gonna talk about it a little bit because we've decided to base our um, uh, our new brand new conundrum um, on it right so um, so let's uh, why don't we. Jump into to riddles. Yeah. So we're doing sixteen
2: and seventeen today. Um, yep. and we're actually not that far behind, to tell you the truth, because eighteen was the panel discussion on the trailer. So, you know, when we do ours today, then we're, we're you know, we're not that far back. Um, so the Riddle sixteen was what well actually speaking of the Great Goblin. So the riddle was about the orcs. This is the Zomborg episode. Okay.
0: That was a great one. It was a great one. And I think yeah, and I think we, we're we're at some point we're gonna need to um, get some T shirts made. <laughs> that's
2: true. <laughs> so our, our our riddle was what will happen to the Great Goblin. But the episode itself was really about like just the orcs and orcs in general. And I did we talked about Azog and Bold too, didn't we? Uh,
0: yeah, I think so. Um, oh, that's where uh, the Zomborg thing came up. That's yeah. where the Zombork yeah. thing came because yeah. right. there's there's these from those um, bizarro somewhat confirmed character descriptions that father roderick and i went through with a fine tooth comb there are um that there's this idea suggested that azog is was believed to be dead and has mysteriously reappeared and this might somehow be connected to the necromancer which which conjures up the idea of him being undead right or right. a zomborg or a zomborg that's right because <laughs> Cory couldn't handle the name zork Yes. So we had
2: to go with Zomborg. Now, somebody and I actually had thought of this too and somebody hold on, I think it was uh Rabagas the Green. No. Oh shoot. I can't remember, but I will get to it in the in the comments, but somebody made a point in the comments of it might not just be him bringing Azog back from the bed but maybe the necromancer actually animates Azog's body, in other words, he takes over Azog's body. <laughs>
1: yeah. yeah I, I struck
2: mm. you dumb, and it's I had kind of thought about that i mean it's still kind of necromantic you know but but that's another possibility so instead of azog being alive in his own right, it's actually sauron in azog's body
0: right well i think that's still i think that's still um um i think that still sort of securely puts it in the realm of um of uh I think it still securely puts in the realm of zomborkness. Yes, I do agree with that. That's true. That's true.
2: So yeah. So and, and, you know, it's interesting because we've seen Bolg now. You know, in terms of on the poster and as a toy, we still have not seen Azog. Um, and you know, I, I suppose the other question at this point, given how many changes have gone on with the ends of movies and three movies and whatnot, are we even going to see Azog in the first movie? I would, I would imagine we are. Right. Or at least in flashback, if nothing else.
0: Presumably, um, yeah. it, it seems like. I mean, this this gets all it takes us all the way back to well, we get yeah. the battle of Azan, all right, or not. Right. Um, but it, it, uh, at least flashbacks develop that storyline because it, it's think. clear that they're going to make that important. Um, the, 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 yeah. the 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 enmity between the dwarves and the goblins, right. and specifically, apparently between the dwarves and um, the 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 house of azog right. for, for lack of a better term <laughs> right so right azog and bolg riddle 16 This riddle is what will happen to the Great Goblin in The Hobbit, An Unexpected Journey. And um, uh, we're talking specifically about the scene in the book where Gandalf slays him. So folks will recall that the dwarves and Bilbo are captured and bound and um, prisoners of the goblins. They get taken down to see the Great Goblin. And, uh, And they're disarmed. And in fact, what really incites the goblins is, is uh, Thorin's sword, Orcrist, and the goblins accuse them of being thieves and murderers and friends of elves and whatnot. Uh, and so they're basically they're basically screwed. And in fact, um, the great goblin is so incensed at, uh, at Thorin's sword that he charges Thorin. And at least the description the narrator gives is that he essentially charges Thorin. And it looks like he's going to bite Thorin's head off or something. And that's when Gandalf intervenes, because right. um, he is he managed to, to to fight off the the goblins as they they captured the dwarves, and uh, Gandalf intervenes and slays the great goblin with his sword Glamdring. Corey priest, Corey kind of Corey sort of had two sort of theories about how they might adjust this scene. He likes the idea. I can't remember if he actually predicted this or not, but he likes the idea. Yes, he did. He likes the idea of Thorin actually slaying the Great Goblin. So maybe Gandalf intervenes and disrupts the proceedings and manages to free the, the dwarves. But then Thorin himself is actually the one who slays the Great Goblin. And of course, now that we've seen that scene from the trailer, you really got to wonder what's going to happen. Because um, um, the, the the mental image I get when I read the book is, is of um, Gandalf like – Cutting the great goblin's head off, or cleaving his head in two, or something with the sword, and and there's that there's that scene in the new trailer of like a giant bulbous creature, which which people um, um, hypothesized might be uh, an ogre or something, um, uh, but it turns out um, or a troll or whatever um, turns out is actually. We, we think is probably the great goblin based on the figurines we've seen where he like falls on the dwarves or something from a great right. height. So right. who knows what's going to happen to him now? So I actually think this question, maybe our, 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 our um, choices aren't, aren't particularly well, we, necessarily, well, we we necessarily. We know D is out. I mean, cause he's dug,
2: we know he's going to die now. Yeah. He looks like he dies. Yeah. yeah.
0: And we didn't include, we didn't include something like falls off a, Falls off of uh, falls from a great height and dies that way. But so to... I, I assumed he was already killed. I just assumed it was just his yeah. body that fell. Awesome. So I,
2: th- no, I that's, think that's A, B, and C point. are still you know.
0: So um, maybe maybe what they'll do um, uh, is um, maybe they'll do the old. You know, it, it's it's really funny when you watch the new Star Wars prequel films, um, particularly like the you know the, like I like George Lucas's strategy of. Um, of, of having the main the main sort of um, cannon fodder for the Jedi to be because the, the problem when you make when you make Star Wars films that are based around Jedi, Jedi run around with lightsabers lightsabers cut things like limbs and it 's like how violent would that movie be if they were running around cutting off people 's arms all the time, although they did do that some so obviously the perfect solution is make most of their opponents be robots and you can just cut them to bits uh, all you want. But is when you go back and you watch the old Star Wars trilogy, particularly the third movie, where you see Luke Skywalker running around. Um, what you see is that that they always do this weird thing where he like swings his lightsaber, and like his the people he's he's hitting with it like kind of just fall back over, and you can't really tell. <laughs> but it's not nearly as it's not nearly as sort of brute, violent as the the new films where like they you know they swing it and it cleaves yeah that's right that's right the door dwar- the door dwar- the the droid the in half in particular i'm thinking yeah. of when he's on the in the the desert scene where the job trying to execute him he's like yeah. knocking people off the thing and none of them appears to have lost limbs or gotten cut in half and it's kind of absurd because <laughs> you're like the lightsaber come on now it be just cutting him in half so maybe it's the same thing here gandalf swings this incredibly sharp elf sword and we don't really see it cut through the the incredibly bulbous flesh of the great goblin. All we see is that, like, the goblin sort of expires and falls backwards. Gandalf kind of clubs him over a cliff. So our choices were A, as always, the book answer, Gandalf kills him in their encounter with the goblins. Um, B, Thorin kills him in their encounter with the goblins. This was Corey's answer. He liked the idea of, of Gandalf freeing Thorin and, 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 and then Thorin – uh, kind of asserting himself uh, as, as more of a, a leader and a hero by killing the great god. C is um, – C is he's killed by someone else, uh, maybe by Bobo, maybe by one of his henchmen. Um, uh, will also roll – falls off a cliff to his death into that as well. And <laughs> uh, by one of his henchmen thing is there's, there seems to be some suggestion. I, you reminded me the name of the character is Grinna, but in the character descriptions there's some suggestion that perhaps um, – uh, perhaps, perhaps there's some treachery going on, right. and one of the, the goblins wants to kill him or overthrow him, so whatever. Yeah. And then D is he survives and shows up again in this or one of the other films, which, which we
2: we believe now probably isn't going to happen since we've seen the trailer.
0: Yep. So uh, anyway,
2: um, hey, I gotta tell you, um, I was looking at the Lego. Things again, and I think I'll have to. Since I keep referring to these, I'll have to put the the link up on the post. But the one of the uh, the one of this scene where they're in the goblin caves, you know, and the and the great goblin, great, the great goblin was actually holding one of the dwarves upside down.
0: Oh, that's hilarious! Wow. Yeah,
2: I can't he's tell which goblin. one. He's
0: huge. Oh, he's huge. I mean, compared
2: <laughs> to the other orcs too. I mean, he's enormous. He's like the Java of the hut, dab of the hut of of goblins. Right, I mean, it's <laughs> amazing.
0: Anyway. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. So, um, uh, let's go down our, our answers really fast. Or actually, perhaps we'll do. Um, do you want to read Mark Fisher's? Yeah, I'm we have. Let a, you read it. Okay, we have the lovely Mark Fisher here. I our, s- our, since since the pattern seems to be, at it, the listeners may not may not who listen to this after the after it's been edited may not uh, experience this, but we've been cut off at least three times now. <laughs> My, my computer freezing um, because of Skype. So actually, if you if you if you've encountered persistent problems with a Mac. Mac uh, uh, Book Pro freezing during Skype, and you know how to f- fix it. Please email me. But, <laughs> but the, the the consistent pattern seems to be anytime I start talking for con- c- uh, continuously for longer than thirty seconds. That That's right. It's freeze. when it happens. Okay, so, so I should
2: read this then. So I you should
0: read this.
1: this. Okay.
2: <laughs> All right. All right. So the lovely Mark Fisher from the Encyclopedia of Arda says, um, "I actually think we're going to see some fairly significant changes in this particular scene, and it looks very much as though we're going to see much more of Goblin Town." than we do in the book. The fact that Barry Humphreys has been cast makes it almost unavoidable that the great goblin slash goblin king has an expanded role. I think Corey made the point that you don't cast someone with that much presence and personality just to say a couple of lines, and I have to agree. I think developing the goblins like this raises a narrative problem. In the book, where we know almost nothing about goblin society or any individual goblin, the great goblin's death makes perfect sense. A large, dangerous creature is actively on the attack, and Gandalf slays him to save his friends, which is a perfectly heroic thing to do. At this point in the movie, oops, I just missed my, hold on. At this point in the movie, though, that creature will be someone we've come to know something about, and far from being dangerous, he's even described as fat and flabby, a fairly pathetic, and probably humorous specimen by all accounts. If all that's that's true, slaying him suddenly starts to look a whole lot less noble, whether it's Gandalf or Thorin who does the job. Surely the great goblin still has to die, otherwise there's no motivation for the furious pursuit that follows, but a much easier solution is one that was briefly mentioned in the podcast by Dave, I think. One of his fellow goblins can do the job and blame it on the dwarves. I suppose Grinna is the obvious candidate if he really does despise his boss, and if he even exists for that matter, Whichever goblin does the deed, it means that our heroes stay heroes, while the goblins are revealed as even nastier than we thought, and they still have a strong reason to give chase to the dwarves. So that's a C from me this time, but killed by one of his henchmen, definitely not by Bilbo. Huh.
0: That's, uh, I, I was looking at the, I was looking at the grid. That's pretty, pretty interesting. Mark is like the, the main deviation on this one. Nobody else picks C. Almost everybody else was picking Gandalf or Thorne.
2: Yeah, that's right. Everybody else did. I mean, everybody that's filled it and out is either picked uh, you know, uh, uh, Gandalf or
0: Thorin. It's particularly amusing to me since since it's based on something I said. Um, <laughs> I didn't even and I didn't even pick that. That was <laughs> yeah. just me talking talking off the top of my head, like oh man, maybe it'll be one of his uh, as a one of his, uh, his henchman or something. Oh, no. right. well, I don't know. Well, I'm not picking that <laughs> because I remember
2: you had picked up on what they had said in the characterization about Grinna and you brought it up as a possibility, but then you kind of like said, nah, I don't think that's going to happen.
0: Yeah. yeah,
2: yeah. It'll be interesting to see what Father Roderick has to say when he fills this one out. Yeah,
0: me too. Well, especially because uh, Father Roderick will have the benefit of the um, trailer That's true, the, trailer, the trailer,
2: yeah, yeah. Now, Mark did mention the conundrum, that conundrum 11, about will there be talking animals in the first film. I not not go ahead and just read this real quick, too. Um, so the conundrum had been will there be any talking animals in the first film. That was uh, the conundrum for the wars and Eagles episode that we, we – recapped and he says i think the movies need to establish early on that animals are able to communicate at least in their own languages they can hardly leave it until the third film and suddenly reveal that ravens can talk to dwarves and thrushes can talk to bowman <laughs> will any animals talk in english which i think was the thrust of your question no i suspect we'll hear them using their own languages just possibly with subtitles in some cases but i seriously doubt that yeah i hope not i hope if they talk it won't be with subtitles
0: Yep. Okay. I, so that's. Uh, that's... I, I think that would be super lame having having like um, worgs uh, <laughs> worgs barking during the, out of the frying pan and into the fire and having subtitles. Subtitles. <laughs> hey, let's get these guys. Super lame. So you were talking
2: about the prediction grid. I guess actually that's our point to talk about here because we don't have um, anybody else's. We do have yeah. the Last Alliance, but that's a whole other topic.
0: Yeah. Right? Yeah. We have. Uh, we have. Um, Last Alliance was kind enough to. To uh, get caught up on all their things, and they record all their discussions. So I have about twenty-five minutes of audio from them uh, 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 discussing riddles twelve through seventeen. So we're we're are either going to tack that on to the end of this, or just roll it in, roll it out as a separate yeah, episode,
2: maybe a bonus uh, uh, bonus yeah. thing or something.
0: So. Um, so, yeah, so I'll run, I'll run down the grid really fast, and then, uh, and then we will talk about our feedback from our listeners, and then we'll get Trish's prediction. Well, actually, Ben has, is eagle-eyed. He's already got me entered in here. Oh, wow. Ben's I on think, top of I it. I think he must
2: have noticed. I must have put it onto the Facebook page. He must have noticed it. So I'm already on here. So it's not going to be a big ah, surprise this time.
0: Darn. It's no great reveal. I know. So, uh, so let's see. So let's do it like this. Uh, the A's, people who think it will go like the book, include myself, um, Arwen from Middle Earth News, um, uh, uh, Golden Star from Casual Stroll to Mordor, and uh, currently that is the consensus on the Facebook page. Apparently, right, so right, a lot of, a lot of, a lot of stay true to the book type uh, folks right, there.
1: Right,
0: right. Um, the B's are uh, Professor Olson and yourself. Right. Um, Sean yeah. Gunner. From the Tolkien Society and Tolkien Gateway, uh, Merrick from Casual Stroll to Mordor. I love the fact that Merrick and Golden Star frequently disagree. They disagree. Uh. <laughs> Lily, Lily, and Elorial from Warriors of the Westfold podcast, and the uh, and the consensus from the Last Alliance, the Tolkien Society, and University of Alberta, is B. So, uh, and that's all we have. We're pretty we're class, currently missing. Isn't it? Yes, we're currently missing um, uh, Father Roderick, who I will hopefully – I will get it from this week, Emil Johansson of uh, um, uh, the Lord of the Rings project, L-O-T-R project, and Hannah Harlow of Houghton Mifflin. So we
2: have to follow them up.
0: Yeah, so I have to follow up with them. But So we've got uh, so far one, two, three A's from our analysts, four if you include the Facebook uh, page consensus. Um, one, two, three, four, five, six bees. Oh, so more bees. One okay. C. Yeah. So the bees are winning currently. You, you uh, currently the 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 popular, most popular opinion is that uh, apparently uh, uh, they're going to change the C and have thorn kill the Great Goblin. Oh, so interesting.
2: Um, so uh, out
0: of curiosity, um, I don't know if you paid close enough attention. I didn't. Do we know the identities of the dwarves upon whom the body of the the uh, body, possibly dead body of the Great Goblin falls. No. Thorin's not in there, is he? I don't think so. Because that, be, so. that would be. Because that would be. If Thorin, if Thorin, if the Great Goblin fell on top of Thorin, that would seem to suggest that maybe. Um, uh, <clears throat> that would seem to suggest that maybe Thorin uh, um, won't uh, kill him, if, but Gandalf if is in the scene. Gandalf's actually him, then, watching. And, and Thorin couldn't have killed him unless he like threw his sword at him or shot an arrow or something. So and Gandalf's I, I actually watching. If, our, if anybody, if any of our listeners managed to notice that, uh, you know, if we can dredge the trailer for some hard proof that Thorin couldn't kill um, the Great Goblin, that would be interesting. Um. Uh, so. Um, Uh, Is there anything you'd like to sort of – would you like to elaborate your prediction, Trish? You can't hear me. I would do it, but you can't hear me. You can't hear me. No, I hear you. You're back. Oh, okay. (laughs) I was going to say – The audio has degraded, but – I was going to say I'd
2: love to, but you can't hear me. And I'm back. Okay, now you can hear me. Testing, one, two, three. Um, Would you like
0: to elaborate your your prediction?
2: Well, I think I was pretty much in – I don't think I would... Well, I was going to say I was pretty much in, in agreeing with what Corey said, but I don't think I even gave it as much detailed analysis as he gave it. Um, I think I was thinking just in terms of the, the the movie, you know, what would work for the movie audience and the fact that we're probably going to get an expanded scene where there's going to be more battle taking place as opposed to in the book where it's just like the surprise thing from Gandalf, that it made sense for me that, that Thorne would actually do the killing as opposed to Gandalf, so that's kind of where I came from with it makes sense I think but, it's... She, but now you're stuck with Gandalf right so how about yeah. you now I can't remember <laughs> what you, well, you
0: I just as a rule um as a rule my my philosophy on this is that unless there's a really compelling reason to change the scene ah, I they will. like I, and I just don't I don't see any particular <laughs> you are so optimistic I just think that I don't know that this
2: thing about they won't change the scene unless they have to holds anymore <laughs>
0: What I've seen so far, but okay. Well, I, I, I mean, I, I give, um, I, I give them a benefit. And it's not a matter of benefit of the doubt. It's just like it's, it's just hard for me to imagine them. Like, like I generally think that that when they, when they, they write things for a reason, and I just don't see a compelling reason to, to have. It's so much easier to just look you know if you have the hobbit story sitting in front of you and it's so much easier to just just take it and transliterate it into the the script um uh you know rather than invent something new like uh, um you know it's it would be so much easier to just do the scene the way it is gandalf appears out of nowhere gandalf slays the great goblin um, uh, you know, like, as opposed to trying to invent an entirely new narrative uh, structure for that scene. Like, okay, well, let's have Thorin kill him. Okay, what needs to happen? Like, to me, I don't see a compelling reason to do well, that. Well, now, see, I, I
2: see more of a compelling reason to do it here than I do in the spider thing, which we were talking about earlier, in terms of changing it. I mean, I do actually see a reason to do it. I mean, we've already had Gandalf, We've already had Gandalf save the day with the trolls. So maybe it's Thorin. It might, you know, from a movie going perspective, maybe it's Thorin's turn now in terms of moving Thorin's character arc along. But then the spiders, see now in the spiders, I could argue, I don't see changing that. And apparently th- that looks like a good chance that they have. So, I mean, I definitely do agree with you. And that's reason that's see, I'm actually changed. I actually gave the answer for this one based on that very thing. Which is that I do think it's worth changing in this instance. So you
0: know. So I, I I agree I agree with your comment on the spider scene, but I don't think they'll I don't think they're dramatically changing it. Like the the two things that I could that I imagine them doing both seem actually fairly natural and and sort of simplifying uh, the the filmmaking process. So one would be rather than have Thorin disappear and have him be captured separately, right? It's just Thorin in the scene. No, I agree with that. I agree with I, that. That just seems. I don't think that really alters the character of the scene too much, because we don't really pay too much attention to the particular identities of the dwarves while Bilbo's fighting the spider. Right, right. No, you're right. Um, It changes the the character relationships after the fact, but I think that actually could be interesting. There's a benefit there. And in terms of having the elves show up, again, like, I think depending on where they... If they... I don't see any reason to have them... um, I don't see any reason to have them dramatically alter the way the spider fight goes down and have elves do everything. Right. But... I do. I don't. On the other hand, I don't see having the elves show up and clear out the last bit of the spiders. So having like having Bilbo fight them off and all that, and then having the elves show up at the end. Like what I what I kind yeah. of in my mind is things happening the way they happen in the book. Bilbo Bilbo drives off the spiders. Bilbo frees the dwarves. The dwarves and this and Bilbo resist the spiders. The spiders start to to get the upper hand. Bilbo distracts the spiders right. and leaves. Way right. sort of sacrifices himself right. when it looks like it's getting to be almost too late. The elves show up and maybe rescue Bilbo, or or you know even if Bilbo doesn't lead them off, basically Bilbo leads them in a heroic last stand, and it looks like they're doomed. Right. And then right. the elves show up. Uh, that to me doesn't. Oh, I got no problem with that. I I actually uh, that's actually how
2: I would imagine that the scene would go. Now I may be putting too much emphasis on this, but the fact that and this is going to sound really stupid. But the fact that Hobbit that uh, Bilbo doesn't show up as a character in the Lego thing, where he does show up as a character in some of the other scenes, like he shows up in obviously the Gollum scene, and he also shows up in the Barrel scene in the Legos toys. But only Feely and Keeley are the two dwarves, along with the two elves in the spider. I mean, yeah, in the spider thing in the Lego thing, is is swaying me to think that Bilbo is not going to play a big role in it. Now I realize that sounds stupid because
0: too much into it. Exactly, I know. I, I think when they make decisions about those Lego scenes, they're they're including. I mean, what they don't want to do is make toy sets where every single toy set has Bobo in it. Yeah, Bobo. Like they want to give right. you a variety, and they probably don't right. have. Hopefully, hopefully don't have that many scenes to include Toriel and Legolas in. They're not going to be like, here's Legolas and Toriel and Gollum. Here's Legolas and Toriel and the Great Goblin. Here's Legolas and Toriel and Bjorn. And so, you know, I think the way these Lego scenes, these Lego movie scenes, scenes often happens is um, if they have sort of a handful of characters involved in a scene, then they just pick a subset of them to include. Well, I do notice that. If you have a couple of characters that don't show up in any other scenes, this is kind of their sort of main characteristic scene, then you include them. And maybe if you have a character like Bilbo who's in every scene, you don't put him in every set to the exclusion of other characters. That, That would be kind of my... Because I noticed in the in the big or maybe orc maybe scene. they feature centrally somehow. Um, right. So I, I don't know. I wouldn't read that much into it. Okay. As for the the great goblin scene, I just don't see like I see compelling reasons to um, to include Thorin in the spire fight. I see a compelling reason to have the elves capture them during or immediately after the spire fight, as opposed to having the dwarves wander around aimlessly for another ten minutes on screen. Uh, the well, great that's goblin not scene is like I I don't know like. It, it seems to complicate things to have Thorin kill him, um, as opposed to to having uh, uh, Gandalf do it, as it is in the book.
2: Well, the thing for me is, can you hear me now?
0: And you can't hear me, and can I'm frozen you? Again. Oh my God, he's frozen again. Unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> hmm.
2: Well, at least I'm getting you. Well, at least I'm getting you. Back? Are you back? Maybe what I need to do is is talk. Uh, maybe what I need to do is when you when I lose you I talk. I just keep talking. Yes. Yeah. Are you back? Oh, now I can't hear you. Ah I'm back. He's back. Now I can hear you. All
1: right. This is gonna be this is gonna be an
2: interesting edit. Listeners may get a piece of this if I can't edit all of it out. <laughs>
0: all right. Well let's keep moving. Um... Yeah, Now,
2: I was gonna say, see now see I think though that um this does give Thorne a chance to be a hero. And I, we'll talk about this a little bit more with Richard Armitage's. But I think Thorne's character, based on what Richard Armitage says, and again, you know, we're going to do that at the end, is going to be much more heroic than it is in the book. It's really come obvious to me. And so that's another reason why I'm thinking he hasn't had a chance. We already know with the trolls he doesn't save the day that Gandalf does. So this is kind of his chance to do it. So anyway, so we'll see. Hopefully you will be in Baltimore. You and I will have to sit next to each other in the theater.
0: Yeah. <laughs> well, um, I think that's sort of the one point that I think is is kind of interesting here. Um, that if you think of if you think of this as a trilogy of scenes, uh, Gandalf and the trolls, right? Um, uh, then um, then uh, the great goblin and Thorin, right. and then the spiders and Bilbo. Oh, wow. Each person gets sort of their their chance to save right. everybody's necks. And right. I guess the eagles save them in the tree, but that's right. not really. important. That's, not really, yeah. uh, that, that's an interesting point because you know dovetailing with the Richard Armitage comments as you said. Yeah. There's being you know, a, a narrative arc here where initially they're much, and obviously we see this in the book. They're entirely dependent on Gandalf, right. Almost, almost right up until Merkwood, and then right. bill takes over. And one thing that that Corey has postulated all along from the very beginning is that they would play up Thorin's role and have Bilbo and Thorin compete with right, right. your company. So maybe what we'll see is Gandalf initially saves them, but then they've become less dependent on him earlier and that's when Thorin steps up. And then and then uh, by the time we get to Merck, Bilbo also steps up and that's right. where we get the so. Now the other thing
2: is that, and I you know I've I've been listening to Corey so much between podcasts and the class, I can't remember where he said this, but he and but he's and he's made the point more than one time, I know, over the arc of all his podcasts. But in the book oh it was actually in class the other night because he was talking about Ratliff makes the point that Tolkien in the in his legendarium prior to writing The Hobbit had made dwarves out to be evil and in fact were Morgoth's more Morgoth's allies than anything else before The Hobbit. And so Corey was talking about that in class the other night, but was beginning to kind of disagree with Ratliff in terms of the degree to which he changes the dwarves in The Hobbit. But went on to say, and he made the point of saying, that in The Hobbit, the dwarves are really kind of comical figures. They're bumbling, clumsy, kind of not, not totally stupid, but not real clever either in the book. Well, that definitely is not the case in the movie. I mean, he's made at least Thorin, and it sounds like the others too. You know, they're much more noble smart warrior types rather than these bumbling, clumsy, not so bright individuals that they are in the book. Yep. Yep. So, anyway, okay. Well, so moving on, I think uh, what we have left now are really listener comments, right? And I'll try to give – I'll talk. <laughs> See if we can stay connected.
0: <laughs> the the Did the listener comments also address the conundrum? Should we do a rundown of those really fast or – um, I don't. The riddle itself you're talking about, not the conundrum. The riddle. Well, yeah. Um, no, yeah. I'm wondering uh, if the listener comments also address conundrum eleven. Then. No. Oh no! Uh-uh. No. Oh, I did. Oh, I didn't
2: look at that. Well, actually, then you want to talk about listener comments, and I'll go check real quick, or vice versa. Nah, don't worry. Because it'd be it. a different. It'll be a different in in a different uh, entry. I'm sorry, I didn't do that. Um, Listen. Michael Lucero is is going with uh, Dave. Uh, no, I'm sorry, with Corey and I. He says he thinks Thorin will kill him. And the reason is that it's one thing for Gandalf or the hobbits or Legolas or whoever to kill orcs in the Lord of the Rings who are basically enemies who are attacking them and intent on killing them. In Lord of the Rings, orcs are presented as hateful evil monsters and of course the best thing to do with hateful evil monsters is to kill them. But And it's kind of a little bit of what Mark was saying. He says, In The Hobbit, we actually read about these guys talking to them before they try to kill the dwarves. We see that they have a social structure, you know, that they've got this king. Um, so he says, um, I can't see a character like Gandalf, who both Tolkien and Jackson have taken pains to establish as good, wise, and noble, killing the great goblin outright. Thorin, however, who Jackson has already begun to establish as morally questionable. <laughs> And uh, in, 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 in he quotes him as the, the line, I can't take responsibility for Bilbo if anything happens to him, would be much more likely to slay a goblin outright, um, uh, especially if it has revenge on his mind. Of course, if it's a situation where the goblins are already attacking the party and about to kill them anyway, uh, it just depends on how the filmmakers change the situation. So he's going on, th- on the Thorin side of things.
0: Huh. Interesting.
2: Now, Steve, this is actually... Well, let me go... I'm going to actually skip over Steve for a second because what he's talking about isn't actually directly to this riddle. Duke of Earl Grey um, is, is talking about the, the zombie Azog, the Zombork, um, And he, okay, so it was actually Duke of Earl Grey that said what I said earlier, which is that he's actually saying, maybe it's not just, maybe it's not a matter of the necromancer having brought Azog back to life, but actually possessing Azog's body. Um, so he's thinking, you know, that... Um, uh, that t- t- take possession of the dead as a host spirit. So Azog, A-Zog will have died in the Battle of azanil and any time we see Azog, it'll actually be the necromancer in the form of Azog. So, I don't know. You got any thoughts about that? I think you talked about it a little bit earlier. Uh eh, still counts as a zombork. <laughs> and then Adam, Adam Parsons says he appears to have answered A, Gandalf done it, but I must admit I waver between that and B. Because it actually alters so little, yet builds this ongoing vengeance and retribution theme in the style of the Icelandic sagas very nicely, it would be it would be pretty in keeping with the book, if not the same as. With regards to making Gandalf uh, Gandalf's loss a genuine blow to the group, oh, this is the other thing I think we talked about. Blow to the group if Thorin kills the Goblin. I think the balance is still there. Gandalf has already proved his worth and power by rescuing rescuing them from the trolls. And I imagine he comes in here and frees them and presumably is pretty nifty on the hillside against the wargs. So I think these three things alone would be reason enough to see him as a great loss to the group. After all, if he hadn't freed them twice, they would be dead. So the fact that Thorin does some maiming whilst free whilst free, is really only rubbing salt into the wound. It isn't actually helping or leading the group. And then um, Rabagast the Green is going with A. He thinks PJ is going to build tension between Gandalf and Thorin, beginning with the Trolls. Gandalf will kill the great goblin and be the hero thorne will come to resent this and when gandalf leaves thorne will be like ready to see him go while everybody else will be upset that he's leaving so um so that's another really good point you know is that having gandalf kill the great goblin could actually because the other thing that you'll hear when you hear the armitage thing is is armitage refers to the uh, uh, deteriorating relationship with gandalf that thorne has
0: Mm -hmm. interesting
2: Yeah. So, so those are our listener comments on the, uh, Riddle
0: 16. Okay. Interesting. Very interesting. I, uh, I'm, I'm willing to entertain the notion that they'll, that they'll do something. Well, obviously they're doing, they're definitely expanding the scene. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I think Mark Fisher is right on that. We're really going to get to know a lot more about right. Goblin Town and yeah. the inner workings of Goblin Town. Um, and and it's fairly clear from like that they're expanding the scene so i'm i'm open to the notion that maybe they'll they'll change the way things happen a little bit so
2: yeah, it'll be interesting this will be one of those and hopefully this will be one of those riddles that'll be
0: pretty easy to know what the right answer was yes that's right <laughs> yeah yeah at least yeah for once we picked one where we'll be able to actually de- right. to determine it um so uh, let's do really fast conundrum number eleven. Uh, um, conundrums to ro- to remind listeners are up down yes no questions that we usually introduce in um, uh, in digest episodes, but not always. Uh, this one was from I think a previous. This is this is from like a, a previous um, digest. It's related to the talking animals, so it's connected it's to the this, the, the words and the, eagles one. Yeah. Yep. That's right, the creatures uh, episode of *Rails in the Dark*. And the question was, will there be any talking animals in *The Hobbit* and *Unexpected Journey*? Um, and I believe, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. That generally, our analysts are inc- incredibly pessimistic about the prospect <laughs> of talking animals. The only yeses so far, and, and so far, Father Roderick, uh, Has uh, Samuel, and Hannah have have abstained. <laughs> um, <laughs> But uh, the only yeses come from me and Arwen. And <laughs> I, 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 everyone else, including you and Corey, are, are pessimistic right, about we the don't prospect of talking be. animals.
2: But the Facebook consensus. Yes, our listeners are very optimistic. <laughs> right. The winning answer on Facebook is is, is yes. So, yeah. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Interesting.
0: Yep. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> yep. Um so uh, did you – it looks like you might have a – what is the, the blurb that we have for Conundrum 11? Is this from you or is this from Mark?
2: Oh, that was from Mark. I, I read it. I actually read it already I think. Um, I read it earlier but I yeah, think I put I think it in. Yeah, I did. Yeah, I did.
0: We'll just read it again really fast. I think the movies need to establish early on that animals are able to communicate, at least in their own languages. You can hardly leave it until the third film and suddenly reveal that ravens can talk to dwarves and just th- can talk to bowmen. Will any animals talk in English, which I think was the thrust of your question? No, I suspect we'll hear, hear them using their own languages, just possibly with subtitles. But I seriously doubt oh, that. Oh, I hope not. So, God, I hope they don't have um, subtitles. That would be so... So, Riddle 17. So uh this episode of Reels in the Dark of course was about Radagast the Brown who is who is much in demand. Um, people have been wanting an episode about this pretty much ever since we started the podcast.
2: He's he's actually like the most in demand character that doesn't show up in the in the book
0: very yes. much. Yes. Or, or at all actually. He doesn't show up in the book yeah, at all. It's pretty interesting. People are very uh, you know, it's not surprising that 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 for many fans the things they're most excited about or most interested in are the things that aren't even in the book. You know? <laughs> that's where there's the most uncertainty that's about true. what what Jackson might do. So, yeah. So, well, Radagast,
2: I mean, my God, the pictures we've seen. I I, mean, I have a really hard time getting around the bird guano that's like down the right side of his in his hair on the right side yes. of his face. I mean, it's like God. And
0: kind anyway. of disgusting. <laughs> anyway, so yeah. You so you guys talked about Ratagast a bunch. Um, yeah we and, talked about a we talked about a lot of things in concerning him, and you were I think you were part of that episode. I was right? on this one, yeah, I think it was on this one yeah so we talked about a lot of stuff about him um and his role and his character and um, uh, the question is very narrowly construed. it's um what will? What function will Radagast serve on the White Council in the first Hobbit film? So, yeah, and
2: I need to change that actually on the site. So it, we know
0: we know we're going to see scenes of him in the first Hobbit film, uh, in the White Council, or rather, rather, we know we're going to see scenes of the White Council. Who knows whether we will see him in them or not? And that's part of the question. Right. So um, what role and 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 uh, what role will he he play on the White Council? And that could very well mean no role. So our four answers are, and, um, and there's no book answer here. I, I want I <laughs> to. There's no book answer. There's no from uh, related to either the Hobbit book. Of course, we don't even see the White Council in the Hobbit book. We don't, and, and we don't see, and we don't see Radagast. Yeah, and we don't see Radagast, uh, and, and and we also get no real clear picture about his involvement in the white council in the lord of the rings book so no matter what book you talk about it's there's no book answer here so that's right uh, so we figure the closest thing to a book answer is a honest a good guy has a minor role (laughs) right on the council right doesn't do anything right um and uh, maybe that's not even a book answer but we're calling that a book answer that's the closest we can get to a book answer B is we think he'll be one of the inner circle and he'll be operating on par with Gandalf and Elrond and Galadriel and Saruman that he'll he'll have a much larger role than than whatever evidence is in the books. God, we're
2: talking about Radagast, isn't that just, isn't that appropriate?
0: And there's some there's some colorful there's some some, some uh, uh, ambient sound. Some here. color, yeah. The <laughs> Radagast the brown thing. Sorry about that bad. Um, uh, C. Um, uh, would be someone's Patsy, and there's there's some textual evidence to, to to suggest this, not from The Hobbit, but rather from um, Lord of the Rings, from the Fellowship of the Ring. And then D is uh, Radagast is not a part of the White Council at all, and therefore any scene with the White Council, he will not be involved in it. Um, uh, and so he'll be a very very minor role. So that's a, the difference between A and D is A is he'll be in the White Council scenes. Um. Uh. Um. You know, when they're meeting in Rivendell or wherever it is they meet, he'll be there. He right. just won't be doing, say, doing or saying much. D is he won't even be in those scenes. Right. Uh. And there seems, I think, there's evidence for um D as well. Um, there is evidence for D. Actually, actually, it
2: looks like that's the answer.
0: Yes. Yes. In fact, I'm 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 regretting my answer now because I was I, I was just thinking to clarify this. I think we should s- define A through C. <laughs> As being, he appears in White Council scenes. Right. Um, yeah,
2: he's actually part of the conversation
0: that's going on when the White Council convenes. Yes. When... Um, and, uh, and 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 you know, uh, so C, in, you know, as far as C goes, Saruman's Patsy. Maybe he is being manipulated by Saruman, but he, uh, but if he's not actually in the White Council right. scenes, then then it's not C. See, C, he, is, he has to be interacting with Sorrowmen at meetings of the White Council right. on screen. So right. now I'm regretting my answer. Me too, because uh, we've seen the poster now, which is only the four of them. Yeah, actually, you know what? I never did – I don't think I ever took advantage of the change one answer thing. <laughs> I think this is going to be the one I'm going to change.
2: It's gonna, yeah, I haven't done it yet either, but I, I I think there's another one that I need to change. So, yeah. No, you're right. I mean, we've seen it now, and it's just the four of them, which you know doesn't really make sense. I mean, how do they do a tiebreaker? That's
0: true. <laughs> yeah, I'm kind of wondering, looking back, I'm wondering if maybe instead of changing that, I'm wondering if we should redefine the question a little bit. Um, um, well, have uh, we had other people answer? We have had other people answer, actually. Let's let's do this. Yeah, let's do this, and we'll give people we'll, – we'll send out a clarification and give people a chance to change their answers on this because it seems fairly clear if we're defining it that way, construing it to be – He's in, you know, being on the White Council means being in the White Council scenes. It seems clear he's not in the White Council scenes. So let's let's do this. Um, let's define what function, what will Radagast, what will be the nature of Radagast's role or interactions with the White Council be? Um, and let's, you know... Um, oh, I know why we originally had this as the trilogy. is
2: because Saruman's Patsy, we're not going to know until... You know the Battle of Dal Guldur, which now isn't going to be until like, at least movie two, if he's Ceram's Patsy.
0: Yeah. Um, well, we need to keep. So we need to keep it um, in the first. We need to keep it in the first film. So let, let's re- redefine it. We're going to keep our answers the way they are. Um, but. Uh, let's redefine it to be what will be his interaction with the White Council um, uh, or his role, his relationship with with the White Council be. Uh, this doesn't mean necessarily that we'll see him in scenes, White Council meeting scenes with the other four. But sort of what will be his interactions any time he interacts with characters who are on the White Council, whether if we see him on, on screen with Gandalf, if we see him on screen with – uh Saruman or Gladrial or anytime we see him on scene with people, what will the nature of interactions be? And uh, or, or if he's not on scene with one of those characters, but he's on screen, and we feel like, and we can we can guess that you know, with with great deal of certainty that he's on White Council type business. What will the nature of his, his role be? So D would end up being Radagast
2: doesn't interact with the White Council instead yeah. of not being part of the White Council. Okay, yeah. so I'm changing so, it as we as we speak uh, here.
0: A would be it would be just sort of. He's just an honest guy, a n- nice guy. He interacts with Gandalf. He helps when they ask him to help. But he has a minor role, yeah. Um, but, he, yeah, he's not really that involved in anything they're doing. He doesn't go to um, – uh, um, he doesn't go to – dull gold he doesn't do doesn't really do much he just kind of when gandalf asks him questions or asks for little errands or whatever he does them but he's mostly just tending to his animals uh b would be inner circle so he's a mover right. and shaker he 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 isn't just doing he's not just doing things other people ask him to do and taking orders but that he's actually taking a proactive role he you know noticing he notices something's wrong with murkwood and he seeks gandalf out and says there's something really going on here right. you need okay. to do something about it. So, so he's not on the council but he's operating on par with them well, influential yeah. maybe yeah. he's not showing up at meetings of the four right. of them but he's but he's but he's he's taking a proactive role about their business so um, C is that C is that he's clearly being manipulated by Saruman, and maybe this is maybe this is overt so we see him on screen with Saruman, and Saruman is, is obviously feeding him this information and, and directing him or maybe we can kind of infer that that his activity on screen is clearly being directed by saruman so maybe we never see saruman giving him orders but maybe he explicitly says oh yeah saruman told me to go do this gandalf or maybe he we can just guess from the kinds of things that he's been that he's doing and the places that he's that that he's actually doing saruman's bidding so um so this is going to be kind of fuzzy and there's going to have to be and then d
2: is he does interact with the white council now i mean what i mean what we mean by that is yeah he interacts with gandalf obviously but he doesn't interact with the White Council as this We're as, as a council. Never. Him on
0: speaking with any of the other White Council characters. We never hear reference from him to any of the White Council right. characters or business. Right. That he, he he literally is just in his in his cabin at Ross Goble tending to his animals, minding his own business. And that occasionally Gandalf just stops by and says, "Hey, can you, you know, hey, uh, how's it going? Uh, pretty good." I, I mean, we fight.
2: know we know he, we know he's going to see him in Dal Guldur, but but what so, we've seen of that scene is is uh, Radagast is still pretty scared and kind of not. I mean, he almost so, flees. So, I think.
0: For the record, for the record, um, D is almost certainly wrong because uh, because we know that he's at the tomb of the Nazgul. Um, and that unless he just happened to stumble on there by accident, that he was probably there on, on white council business. So, so, Okay, so I have changed it actually on the
2: Mythgard site. So you'll let the analysts know, right, that they can go back and revisit this.
0: The nature of Radagast the Browns' uh, relationship to... The White Council, and I'll I'll reword the, these things to make them a little more clear. So, um, yeah, I put it. I will check what I did on the Mythgard site, and then you can let them know. Sounds good. So, for example, um, I, I would leave my answer to stand. Now, I would say that that um, that we're going to see evidence that he's being manipulated by Sauron. Right. Right. He, he's gonna like when when we get to the tomb of Nazgul that he's he, he's gonna be there because Saruman told him to go there not because he thought he should or just stumbled on it by accident so so I don't I don't feel I don't feel it's necessary to change my answer. See now I'm
2: tempted to change mine because I went with Minor Wall um, and I do I do think there's a lot of argument. I even thought about this before. You know, there's a lot of argument for C, but I think I'll probably let A stand and just take the.
0: Well, I don't. I think. Um, I think that uh, you know, if you interpret this to be, if you interpret this to be, what will we see evidence of on screen? Mm-hmm. I think I think A is. Uh, I think it's going to be either A or C. Yeah, uh, I do too. I, I, I do don't too. see him as a mover and shaker. Yeah. Um, and I and I think the fact that he's at the tomb of the Nazgul is is highly suggested that he's involved in their business. Um, so it really comes down to is he is he just kind of you know sort of doing his best to help out. In troubled times, right, or or is somebody is somebody Mm -hmm. actively manipulating him and pushing him around? Uh, Somebody being Saruman So I I I think it's A or C, and I I I, I, I'm sticking with C, but I I don't I'm you know since we're defining it as film one. I think it's entirely possible we won't see evidence of his of his being manipulated by Saruman in the first film. I, I just I don't know how much White Council material. that's true.
2: There. Yeah, that's hard to say. Yeah, but I, I I agree with you. I think it's either A or C, and I I almost think it's like a, in my mind it's almost a fifty fifty either way. I mean I think it's it's believable yeah. to see either way. So. Yep. Okay.
0: So um so uh I might as well go down the grid even though these answers are likely to change um. Uh, since we're making people a chance to change it but in general almost everybody seems to agree with you so uh, oh okay. Lillian L'oreal from Westfold, where's the Westfold Arwen and Sean gunner from um, Tolkien society all agree with you on a and so do the Facebook people yeah and the, and the majority answer on Facebook is a as well so it seems unlikely I, I and, and I and I and I doubt many of those people want to change their answer why does Mark Fisher have an e under his name <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna <laughs> uh, I'll send that thing out. Um, Corey and I both said C, and I suspect we will leave our answers the same too. So, um, so anyway, so but you're currently you're you're with the crowd. Yeah, yeah, and I
2: think probably that's just a, some off, some wishful thinking on a lot of people's parts that we're not going to see Saruman You know, we don't want to see Radigas be duped, but I think it's still feasible.
0: Yeah, well, it seems, to me, it seems likely that Mm -hmm. we'll at some point during the first three during these three films we'll see evidence of it It, maybe we won't see it as early as these right
2: and I know we also discussed in the episode the thing about being duped and also having Saruman kill him now this question doesn't deal with that so this is not you know Radagast being duped and betrayed by Saruman and actually being offed by Saruman that's not what we're talking about here it's just simply being manipulated by him because the question of if and how he's going to die is for another movie
0: yeah will there be evidence will there be evidence in the first film that Saruman is is pulling his strings all right.
2: Right, exactly, exactly.
0: Exactly. Um, and we'll
2: save the question of whether he's going to die or not for next year.
0: <laughs> you know, uh do you know do we have any good um uh, do we have any good feedback from listeners about this? Um, about
2: this particular topic, you know, the trailer came out right around the same time as this. So uh, there are a lot of the feedback that we got uh, under this particular thing was, you know, dying to hear what you guys have to say about the trailer. And, of course, we did that in a in the Hobbit Day panel discussion. So I took those out. Um let's see i think we did by the way i just did want to say murray who uh put an answer under this that had to do with the film split and i'm not going to go into detail there but i do recommend listeners go take a look at what he put in there as far as what he how he thinks the three films are going to split because i think it's pretty reasonable um let's see and another movie split here so adam adam does talk about this and he says um as much as I hate the idea of Radagast dying, when Dave said killing off a character that did not die, my mind immediately switched to Haldir, you know, in the in the movies, who died and did not, uh, after being used as part of a visual metaphor for something that happened off screen, isn't that pretty much what Saruman's growing deceit is? And Radagast is exactly the Haldir character here. Um, so that puts him in the C camp. He says, you talk me around completely. <laughs> I was going to be an A with a touch of B and perhaps a white council role, but maybe more field agent based rather than sitting down with the pencil type. Also, you know, the Haldir thing's kind of interesting because they interviewed, uh, there was an interview with the guy that played Haldir on the Hobbit, on the Middle Earth Network's Hobbit, uh, Hobbit Day stuff. And he actually said that, you know, that was kind of like an on, that was a, uh, on the field play called by Jackson that they needed somebody, one of the elves to die. And he was the obvious choice. <laughs> that was pretty funny. So that's Adam. And then, um, let's see. And then we talked about the, all oh, the bunnies came up in this. Murray talks about Radagast sad as it is to say it. I think the conversation is spot on here. Radagast will be fooled by Saruman subtly and pay the ultimate price for his trusting nature. I'm just not sure where in the series it will be. If I remember right, whereas Gandalf uses the present tense in mentioning Radagast to Bjorn, in Lord of the Rings he uses the past tense. I know we talked about that a little bit. Um, And then Mara, Mara says, as I was listening, I had an interesting thought about Radagast, his death, and moths. What if in The Hobbit, this is really out on a limb. I mean, this is kind of going woohoo. What if in The Hobbit, Gandalf's ability to talk to moths and eagles is put in the context of Radagast's death to retroactively increase the poignancy of the moment of the moth? What if Radagast teaches Gandalf how to talk to, talk to animals at some point in the films in the extended edition? <laughs> the, e- <laughs> the eagles rescue them at Radagast's behest, and Radagast gives Gandalf some kind of password that makes him a friend. It's like, what, you? <laughs> <For> oh, God. <laughs> when radagast dies then Radagast dies at the hands of ceremony but is able to achieve a posthumous revenge when gandalf uses radagast knowledge i I, kudos tomorrow for like that's a great piece of creativity hopefully not going to be in the movies um brent sprinkle our wonderful brent sprinkle he says i knew from the get-go he would have a bigger role uh he could be on screen for 10 seconds and it would be more of a role than the books as he says um so he was confused as to what we're calling a minor role. Uh, first, I thought it would be completely ridiculous if ridiculous if we saw Sermon being a bully and Radagast kind of whimpering or something. Sounds like a weird dynamic to see played out on screen. But then again, everybody really seems to be on board with the whole notion, so it gives me pause. But whatever, I will be controversial. I'm sure Dave will like that. Um I don't see Radagast being on the White Council at all. The movie is going to open with Gandalf going to Dal Guldur and running into Radagast there, the shot we've already heard described where Gandalf tells him to leave. This reaction from Gandalf tells me he feels Radagast is in the way and needs to leave. Sounds like Gandalf is bullying him, but not Saruman. With this reaction from Gandalf, I feel that he and others included wouldn't see Radagast as fit to be on the council. And yet he does have a point, actually. Um, they wouldn't want to lower the standard for membership of the council. Also, we haven't seen Radagast in any promo shots of the White Council, for sure, especially now. Uh, not definitive evidence, but evidence nonetheless. The only connection he will have to the White Council is them maybe first learning of the darkness returned to Mirkwood via our brown friend. They might also hire him as a subcontractor to do some side work for them, since talking to animals isn't a particularly lucrative job. I'm going out on a limb, hoping for the eagles to catch me when I jump. Will he die? Uh, oh, option D. Will he die? Sounds perfectly reasonable to me. Now, Brent may change his mind since we've changed the, the top, you know, the the subject, uh, the questions here, mm-hmm. but. Um, but he's, you know, definitely stating that he's not on the White Council at all. Brianna says, "I can't wrap my head around what they would do with Radagast. What they would want to do with Radagast, since he's a secondary character that wasn't in the book, his insertion can't be too intrusive. I don't know. You know, we got the bunny sled. That's pretty damn intrusive, and the hedgehogs, uh, intrusive on the already existing plot, and, and the and the spiders coming through his roof. Instead, he would be used to boost whatever themes and ideas are already present. However, it's hard to say what." themes, and ideas the filmmakers will be sure to be focusing on. Boy, no kidding. Sorry, that was my that was my snarky side thing there. I'm not even sure if Radagast is on the White Council. It's assumed that he is. Yeah, it is assumed, but you know, now we're not. But it's never confirmed in the books. However, it would be surprising if he isn't, because the Council will be talking about troubles in the south of Mirkwood, and anything in Mirkwood is going to be important to Radagast. At the same time, he feels a bit reclusive. So perhaps he'll be present to elaborate on the growing threat of the necromancer, um, and even becoming a victim to it since he's ambassador of the wild and the wild is becoming twisted and dying. So, yeah, so, she, you know, she's basically saying before, like, he's not on the White Council. But, yeah, he, right, he's kind of like a hermit. And, you know, I think it's becoming, you know, become clear in the character that I, as far as I've seen him so far is he's very much the animal, you know. He's already kind of doing that thing that, that you guys talked about in the episode that Corey talked about that was written in the books is that he, you know, kind of went native or went animal, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, so that's, that's, that's
0: all the feedback we have from the listeners. Interesting. I I think, I feel like people, um... People are sort of uh, pe- people's kind of um, their the general sort of feedback and people's instincts are kind of in line with the reformulation we did of the question that, that yeah I think so. that he'll kind of be he'll be involved but it seems unlikely he'll be actually sitting on the council like the the comment about him being a field agent that's kind of exactly why I wanted to reformulate the question right because it, it seems really obvious at this point that he's that he'll be at most. Um, a, a field agent of the White Council, but not actually really involved. Feeding so, information, yeah. Feeding so I'm, information, I'm glad so. we're I'm glad we're reformulating. It, it yeah. makes sense. So um, there you have it.
2: There is uh, there's uh, riddle seventeen all wrapped
0: up and yes.
2: reformulated.
0: Uh, do you so? Um, did you want to – or do you have any sort of additional – I mean, I know – so you were on this episode, so you got to kind of share yeah, your thoughts kind of about it then. But yeah. do you have any sort of new thoughts, particularly in light of our, our reformulation of the and question? And since
2: we've seen him – well, and it's actually, we've seen the trailer since then too, haven't we? Um, By the yeah,
0: way, I just I, noticed I – there, Ed Powell um, on the uh, in the comments said E none of the above oh I know I know, I know. you mentioned that and I, I know, didn't no I went out, right but, by it I wasn't gonna yeah uh, it. I guess he agrees with Mark Fisher <laughs>
2: yeah I guess so I guess so I mean you know and Ed, Ed's always kind of you know he's always yes. controversial and a little bit of a wrench yeah. in the works kind of guy um I, I since we're since, banning those
0: answers we're not yeah, accepting we're... <laughs> none of the above
2: <laughs> unless we unless we've actually put it on there yes um the um the trailers come out since we had this episode and uh-huh. you know, I, I think I was kinda surprised actually at how much uh trailer time Radagas got. You know, he got a fair amount. I mean, mm-hmm. if you think about all the different scenes that were in there. Um, you know, we got the bunny sled and, and we got him doing the hedgehog thing and we got the spiders coming in. So it made me really think in terms of, you know, it may not follow through to the other movies, but he seems to be, he seems like he's going to get a surprising, at least in my mind, amount of screen time. And in fact, I think I did answer the, that the that, that the Eagles were going to be, you know, that he was going to be connected with the Eagles uh, rescue of the company, um, you know, so that it was going to be more of a Radigas related thing than a Bjorn related thing. And I, I just seems to me to be, um, uh uh, 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 uh undermining that, I think. Mm-hmm. So that's all I really have to add to this one.
0: Hmm. Okay. Um I don't have any particular new thoughts either. I'm I'm I still I'm I'm still leaning toward I think we'll see some kind of evidence, however subtle, that he's having his uh, strings pulled by uh, by Saruman. Yeah, but I'll be interested to see. I, the, you know, like like we said earlier, this is definitely one of the topics people seem most interested in because of because of the the sort of the controversy over it. And I I agree with that. Like I think. I think there's a lot of interesting open questions here, uh, and, and, think, and in particular think, if they're pushing the split back yeah, to – Yeah, right. Well, and I think is, with
2: the new split – To as early
0: as, as early as the, the eagle's rescue. Right. I, I think that really – to me, that seems to suggest a lot of white council material in this film, right. and I bet That's that true. will involve a lot of Radagast the Brown, which, which would dovetail with the um, – yeah. which would be consistent with the amount of screen time you got in the trailer.
2: Now, it's interesting, you know, I, as you say this, then I'm, I was about to say that I was thinking if we see him being a patsy, we may not see it until the second movie, but mm-hmm. actually now you're changing my mind. I mean, we may see some, I was thinking we might see, we might get introduced to Radagast a lot in the first film and then really see Saruman pulling the strings in the second, but you're right, we could see, we could see some of that in the first movie. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, here that. we're assuming that that's what's going to happen. <laughs> We may find that that's not even part of the story at all. The manipulation piece. <laughs> yep. I mean, the question of and this is something we haven't really talked about, I don't think, is, you know, Saruman. It's I almost think it's going to be, you know, something we'll want to do next year as part of Riddles in the Dark for the second movie, is is Saruman's role. I mean, we haven't we've seen a little bit of him, but we but the, he has Jackson hasn't really released a lot about Saruman in this first movie, which doesn't mean Saruman's not in it. It's just he hasn't released a lot of it.
0: Yep. Yep. so there's a um, lot
2: you know there's a lot that jackson still has not released about this movie i mean for example you know that poster we talked about earlier where bo Bolg is showing up that's the first movie poster that's come out of how many movie posters that have been out that actually shows goblin slash orcs on the poster very first one that's true so you know i think he's still holding a lot back Which is fine with me. I I don't mind that. I just, it's, I think it's going to be really interesting when we finally see the movie and we're going to be like, boy, who knew that was coming? (laughs) It's like, did you see he added such and such in, you know, because. Yep.
0: Yeah. Well, I think, I think especially as we approach the film, we're reaching the point where I I don't think he's going to want to give away everything. Yeah, you know, right. he's going he wants he wants there to be some surprises left.
2: I would hope uh, so. I would hope so, you know, yeah. that those of us that have been tracking so closely, hopefully he's smart enough to keep some stuff back so at least, you know, even even we will be
0: surprised by some things. <laughs> Yep, as unlikely as that as that sounds. Um,
2: well, do you want to wind up with the Armitage? Uh, uh, well, let's recording? do
0: let's do let's briefly review Conundrum Twelve, oh, even though people okay. heard us talk about it. Um, uh, that, that was the question. It's in the the most recent Riddles of the Dark episode, the Hobbit Day panel. Yeah, and we haven't done um, the
2: we haven't done that it, session yet, but uh, and
0: it's and it's roughly it's related to, to Radagast because. Um, the question is, oh, will right. spiders attack Ross Goble and, and in right. The Hobbit and, you know, uh, in the first film? And people recall that there's a, a glimpse of what might be a spider leg punching a hole in the roof of Radagast, what might be Radagast's home um, in the trailer. There was also the, the bizarro question about spiders attacking Ross Goble in the Facebook right. – official Hobbit Facebook uh, trivia game app. Um, <laughs> so – so we asked this question, just yes or no, do you think spiders will attack? And um, basically everybody thinks yes, aside from um, uh, Merrick and Arwen. Arwen's
2: convinced it's tree roots.
0: Yes. Arwen thinks it's a an evil tree. It's old man Willow or his cousin <laughs> from Mirkwood attacking. Um uh, I don't remember what Merrick thought it was, but Merrick, Merrick said, "Yeah,
2: I re-listened, and Merrick just said no. I mean, he didn't really explain. Yeah, he, just he didn't really no, have a, yeah. a, an alternative. Yeah.
0: we haven't heard from Father Roderick or um, or Golden Star um, yet, but uh, but everybody else seems to think that that's probably going to be a including
2: spider. including the listeners who are voting on Facebook. Yep.
0: yeah. Yep, that's yeah. I, uh,
2: I mean, when it, when we looked at and if, if you have if listeners if you haven't listened to that." episode yet um one of the things and we didn't actually put it up on the site but there was a brianna shared uh a a, a movie clip you know a moving clip of that scene from the trailer um where you actually it, it seemed pretty definable that you could see like a spider body attached to the leg that's coming through the roof so um uh, we spent actually a fair amount of time on that on the panel and i don't know that we want to necessarily do a digest on the panel i mean i, I guess that's something you and i could decide later
0: but by the um, way um um there, there seems to be fairly wide disagreement. Yeah, I, I feel like, I feel like, I don't, I didn't find the the spider body um, shadow, whatever glimpse, to be particularly compelling. I, the most, mostly the reason I think it's a spider is because I don't, can't imagine what else it would be. What else it would be? Yeah, <laughs>
2: yeah,
0: yeah. Um, so, so. I'm
2: going to be interested to see when it happens in the movie. You know, I because yeah, we, I, we kind of, you know, uh, it looks Nads like we're going to get a event. lot of
0: scenes of of Radagast the Brown just kind of hanging out in his I know. house Such
2: which again is you know like the one where he says you know there's a darkness growing i mean that to me is like almost pre unexpected party talk you know that would be like around the time the that G- that Gandalf's and dolgor you know what i mean it's like that's you know, if if he does if he says that at the point in time when like if the company meets up with them it's yeah like no kidding <laughs> like, you know what i mean it's like so i'm i'm going to be really interested to see kind of where his scenes are put and like the spider attack, you know, is that going to be before or is it going to be when the company? Because some people said, well, maybe it's when the company's there, maybe it's instead of, you know, the the spider attack in the woods. Which actually, at the time that we were doing the episode, I thought, oh no, no, no. But when I re-listened to the episode, I thought, you know, they could do that. They could make it the two together. But anyway, that gives. See, that's the other thing. It gives me a headache. Makes me want to put my head against the wall again. So. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Relax, relax. It gets so frustrating. My head's gonna so, explode. So let's do the uh, let's do the the Richard Armitage um, okay. uh, comments. So give us the setup. Yeah, uh, let me give it, you a little setup. Well, where did I, you take all this stuff from, and what did you do?
2: I, well, I got to thinking about the fact that you know, we when we did the Comic Con stuff, we um, you know, we we had this whole flurry about it, and then we kind of moved on because you know, then Jackson was putting out video log aid, and all this other stuff came out. And I got to thinking about the fact that, you know, there was a lot more besides the panel in Hall H that went on relative to The Hobbit. So I went back and I actually started to listen to some of the, I actually listened to some of the interviews. And really the ones with Armitage I felt were the most interesting and had the one, had information in them that we really hadn't seen elsewhere. You know, the ones with McKellen and with the other folks with Circus, they kind of talked about all that stuff and the Hall H stuff. So that would kind of had already been talked about. But there were some things that that Armitage talked about um, that I felt we really hadn't gotten from anybody else. So I put together a collage. All of these, and there's, there's like a definite, you know, I put a definite pause between the different interviews. Um, but all of these interviews are taking place, you know, either in the hallway at Comic-Con or in a special room at Comic-Con, and they're from different interviewers. Um, mm-hmm. But it's basically a three-minute long uh, 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 audio clip of points that I felt were interesting points. Hmm. Okay.
0: Have I lost you, Trish? No, no. I
2: was being quiet because okay. I figured we'd, this is where we'd play it. Ah,
0: oh yes. Okay, so uh, <laughs> sorry about that. So, yeah, so, um, so thank you for putting this together. I'm kind of excited to hear it, um, and we're going to go ahead and, and and play it on here and hope that doesn't get us in trouble. Fair use, fair use, fair use, fair use. Um, Educational and uh, um, and perhaps we can you can um, tell sort of. We can credit all the, the the media outlets that we took the interviews. Yeah, from.
2: I'll go back and see if I can put those together. I'll put them um, on the side.
0: And uh, so we'll, let's go ahead and play it, so our listeners have a chance to hear what we're talking about. And then we'll you 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 gave us a nice sort of you gave us an itemized list of you the the the, the main highlights. So let's right. go ahead and play it now. Okay. And then we play it. Dun, dun, dun. Now we're in. Um, okay, so uh, you were kind enough to give give us uh, some talking points on it, and would you like to to kind of lead us?
2: Yeah, let me go down through some, and uh, some of the stuff has actually even kind of gotten a, a more um, weighty. So he talks about one of the things that I found it was interesting that he talked about. And he just he just around fifty seconds, if you notice, he talks about the evolving relationship with Bilbo and the deteriorating relationship with Gandalf, which I found interesting. Um. And we've kind of talked about that a little bit. I think Corey has, you know, you, you and Corey have talked about it in some of the episodes, too. But I just thought that was an interesting sort of underline that we can expect to see this. Mm-hmm. Um, he also indicates at around the one and a half minute mark that um, even before Jackson announced a third film, because this is a Comic-Con, they asked him, do you still have to do filming? And he goes, oh, yeah, there's still a new shooting planned. And then I do know that subsequent to that, in the Billy Connolly interview, which just took place not too long ago, he said they have to still do all the battle scenes, which I'm assuming is probably Battle of Five Armies. So apparently, there's still a fair amount of shooting still to do. And this was hmm. even before there was a third movie mentioned. Interesting,
0: frankly. So um, the the Thorin's relationship thing. I want to go back to that. Oh, okay. Briefly, if you mm-hmm. don't mind, sure. um, that 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 we kind of hinted at this with our earlier mm-hmm. uh, discussion. Um, hopefully we'll manage to pull that out of the various fragmented recordings that we have. Um, <coughs> um, we ended at this with the question of, of the great goblin who will slay him. And we kind of, we kind of suggested that, that the trajectory the, the trajectory in the book is that basically the dwarves, the, the, the relationship with d- the dwarves and Gandalf is that the, the Dwarves are not really, they complain to Gandalf. And we don't, re- but we don't really ever. Uh, and they grumble at the things that he requests of them. And, and ver- there's a couple times where they, where they specifically, you know, kind of say like, "Oh, we don't like this." And Gandalf threatens them, but mm-hmm. they're always cowed by him mm-hmm. because they know they're entirely dependent on him, and they depend on him right up until um, Bilbo saves, until he leaves in Merkwood, and then they're kind of aimless and lost and they try to make you know they, they 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 sort of muddle through the best they can and then they and then bilbo rescues them from the spiders and then from the dungeons of the elven king and that's when they become dependent on him and they don't really sort of really strike it they don't really start um sort of following their own path until they get into the lonely mountain right and and they fall under the spell of the the, the dragon sickness so um and, and Thorn, interesting... in particular,
2: Thorn, in particular, really doesn't start to really be Key Under the Mountain until about that time.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and we we get a slightly more complicated picture in the in the, the quest of Quest of Erebor, right, and the, right? The appendix of Lord of the Rings, and even more so in Unfinished Tales, where we see a, a more complicated relationship between Gandalf and Thorn, where they're more like equals, right? But um, uh, and, and Thorne really does defy him, and, and you know, and really does sort of uh, not defy him, but 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 resists taking Bilbo along and all this kind of stuff. And ultimately, Gandalf really threatens him, and sort of it doesn't threaten him and say I'll do something to you, but rather uses sort of his um, his his, you know, Thorne knows that Gandalf knows what he's talking about, right? And that Gandalf is plugged into kind of a higher power, and Gandalf basically says, Look, I'm just t- I'm just going to tell you right now. Unless you take this hobbit, you won't succeed. I can't explain right. it all that much, you know. I have some some you know really really thin, weak reasons that I can give you, like oh dragons don't know the smell of a hobbit and stuff. But what I'm telling you right now is. I you know I know how things work and I know that you won't succeed unless you take him and right. ultimately that frightens Thorin. Right. So so we see a more complicated relationship. So there is there is a foundation for this and it seems ripe for for the film because the the way things happen in the book is is just doesn't like Thorin's just not a very interesting character. Um, I, I feel like for people reading the Hobbit like you and I, what makes him interesting as a character is bringing to bear everything we know from outside the books itself. right? You know? And I think I think you can make him a more interesting character if you really read it closely and you really sort of, really sort of, you know, kind of, I, I don't want to say read beyond the text. And I know that, that Corey's book the, um, on exploring the Hobbit, he's very careful not to introduce a lot of extra material from the Lord of the Rings or the appendices or any of that stuff. And that he really does... You know, he he does a great job of explaining. I'm sure he's doing this in his class too. Great, great job of really yeah. f- filling out the character and stuff. Yeah. But I know I personally, when I read this, I project. You know, like I I kind of as I'm reading the book, I'm I'm reinterpreting it in my mind in more of the Lord of the Rings epic mode. And, and the quest for
2: Erebor. Yeah. Having read the quest for Erebor too. I mean, yeah. when, once I'd read that, that really shifted the, the yeah. story for me completely. And I think I fill in yeah. a lot of this, yeah. these
0: details. So I, I think for on screen, I think the way things happen in the book just wouldn't work
2: as, well, and, wouldn't be as interesting. Well, and you, just, you know, you guys have already talked about too. I mean, don't forget there's the thing of changing Thorin's age, which you talked about at, at length when you ta- had the Thorin episode. You know, making changing him from kind of an older, sort of bitter, you know, exiled king to a much younger, more, um, what's the word, you know, healthy, energetic. And, and actually, this goes to my next point, which is around the two minute 15 mark of the thing we just listened to. Armitage talks about the fact that he patterned Thorin, which I find a significant He patterns them after Shakespeare characters. He specifically talks about uh, Henry V and Richard III. Well, I mean, my God, you know, Henry V is, you know, band of brothers. And that, I mean, that's way different from the thorn in the book. A regal, kingly, you know, dwarf king from the get-go. And so if you think about that, then you look at this deteriorating relationship with Gandalf. I think it's what you just basically said, which is, I think what we can expect to see in the film is, a clash between these two leaders from the, almost the very beginning, with Thorne just becoming more and more angry and, you know, defiant of Gandalf because he wants to be the leader.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. And he doesn't, and furthermore, doesn't want to be strapped with all these weird... Yeah, right, exactly, you yeah. You know, but, and, 14th and, wheels that Gandalf <laughs> wants him to drag along. Yeah, and he so. becomes—he
2: just gets more and more resentful of Gandalf's yep. interference. And I know Gandalf, I know... Um, one of the things that uh, McKellen said, and I think it was in one of Jackson's video logs, is that Jackson's director, directorship of him as far as the Gandalf character in this story is to think of Gandalf as a general, that he's a general, you know, uh, commanding an army. Um, and I, that really stuck with me because, of course, Gandalf really isn't that way in the Lord of the Rings movies. But uh, if you think about that, a lot of what we see in the scenes from the trailers and the video logs and stuff kind of makes sense in GetUp. And then if you also think about that with regard to Thorin, you can see that this, this that's just, you know, ingredients for a big conflict.
0: Yep. Yep. Interesting.
2: Now, the other thing that I find, now this is this is a little tougher and I think this one's a little bit more open to, you know, interpretation and our listeners might have a listen on this mm-hmm. this is back back toward the beginning at about the 30 second mark Arnage is talking about uh he's talking about thorin you know king under the mountain he's taking his people back and then he also says well he also has this personal quest for revenge and then he talks about um you know against the dragon and then he goes and azog oh he talks about a dragon who uh Let's see, ousted his grandfather. So he's actually bringing, has actually brought Thor into the conversation. Then he goes, it's kind of a side thing. He goes, and Azog, who beheaded him in the battle. Now, when I first heard this, I was thinking, and Azog, who, be, who beheaded him in the battle. For some reason, I was thinking he was talking about Thorin beheading Azog, you know, and I'm like, oh my God, they're going to change that start of the story. Then when I listened to it, like the second, third and fourth times, it's like, no, I think what he's actually saying here is that Azog beheaded Thor in the battle. Which changes Thor's role now from crazy, demented man at Moria to a warrior who was slain, still killed by Azog, but now killed at the battle. And, and actually, Armitage calls it the great battle between the orcs and the, and the dwarves, instead of, he doesn't name it as an Elbizar. So that, to me, was a big change, and it'd be interesting to see what listeners think. Is you know, Are they agreeing with me? Does, does it, he seem to be talking about Thor getting killed by Azog in the battle? Um, which again is a big change. Not a big change. Probably not a big change as far as the story goes, but definitely a big change in the history part.
0: Yeah. That's uh that's interesting and 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 not particularly surprising. It's it no, seems I, don't think so. I mean that the history of that the, the um of the of the, the descendants of Durin is really, really, complicated. You know, like all the things involving Thrower and Thrine and Thorn and and, and right. Dine and Nine and those guys, it's it's hard to keep it all straight in your head, and 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 I, you know, I know in our in the early episodes of the podcast, we were really enthusiastic about it and went on it forever. But it it seems unlikely that that they would be able to fit all that into the film. And obviously, one of the strategies, if they wanted to include some of it, is to just conflate it and simplify it. Exactly. And so yeah. as opposed to as opposed to having it be like, you know, um, um uh. Uh, you know, Thor. the dwarves get driven out of Moria, and then Thor goes into Moria, and then he – whatever happens to him, and then Azog kills him, just have it all be, hey – there was once a big battle between right. the dwarves and the goblins for whatever reason. Hey, it's dwarves and goblins. Goblins are evil. Dwarves are good. It's not a surprise they're fighting, right? Yeah. No. And and Azog kills Thor in the battle. Okay. And I it's just, much
2: more honorable, so. you know. It's much more klingon
0: <laughs> Well, okay, we've talked yeah, about Thor true.
2: looking looking it, for for Thor to have been killed in battle as opposed to some crazy boy guy who tries to take Moria all by himself.
0: Yeah it's it's a little less it's a little less. Um, brutal and and, and in my opinion what's more important is it's the kind of thing that could be summarized on screen in about two sentences
2: and much makes it much easier to explain the personal vendetta thing
0: yeah, yes. who's who's this Azog guy? Oh, he's yeah. the orc that killed, that beheaded Thror during the battle of the the battle of the Dimrill Dale or whatever. Yeah, it was. yeah, the great um, battle. Yeah, 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 he's the guy that beheaded him during that the battle between the right. be, between the, he's the guy that beheaded Thror toward the end of the war of, between the dwarves and the goblins. Not well, you see. Thor went back to recapture Moria with a certain mind, and he snuck in. He disappeared for a few days, and you know, what I mean, like that's Get a lot no, 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 Yeah, and Azok's and, and name was, you know, carved into his yeah. forehead. This this actually makes me less hopeful that we'll see Bazaar on screen. This this strikes me as a simplification that makes it makes it quite easy to just um, narrative, just to give yeah. A, yeah, to give a yeah. thirty second summary of those events. Yeah. Here's They're what you great. need to know. A right, great battle, that. yeah.
2: Now, I also think at, back when I did this, you know, we hadn't really gotten to this whole necromancer Azog, you know, ne- Zombork thing. Um, yes. So I was still assuming Azog would still be Azog, of it, but but it doesn't. It still doesn't leave out the possibility of dying, killing Azog. It's just that now it would be the Battle of Five Armies where Dying kills him instead of at in Bazar. So that was my other, you know, potential, you know, plot point that might happen as was I was listening to this. So anyway, so that's, you know, I just, I kind of wanted to go back and pick up a few of these things because we kind of have moved on. And I still think there's some stuff to still be mined out of these, you know, interviews, these Comic-Con interviews especially, um, you know, from some of the things people said. So I think I managed to capture at least a few. Oh, oh I know the other one that I had left out was the uh, the music that, that somebody, at, you know, at, the, at about the 150 mark, they said is there going to be more music. And he actually specifically refers to dwarf drinking songs. So I guess we're going to have more than just the one song in Bilbo's house. And maybe, I don't know if it'll still be in, all in Bilbo's house, but he says there's the drinking songs. And then he makes the whole observation about dwarf culture in general. You know, that they're raucous and, you know, kind of party, party guys and stuff. So that's going to be interesting. I'm going to be interested to see how that looks on screen.
0: Hmm. Yep. I guess that's <laughs> not too surprising. We've kind of seen things like that. Yeah, uh, yeah. So it'll be uh, I, What I'd be curious to – but what I wonder about though is – so we saw things like this in the Lord of the Rings films. We saw um, – uh the, the the scene in the prancing pony they have frodo uh kind of right. you know dancing a jig or Pilb I guess actually there it was like Pippin and Mary and then Frodo dancing a jig and singing some song on top of the on the on the table. Right. And and I think we had some some drinking scenes with Gimli and, and uh Legolas and some singing and whatnot, but not real like th- that's the kind of singing we, we, we get. It's always kind of in the background of right. of the main action of the scene. Um, same thing with the elves bizarro Gregorian chant songs too. Right. Um, <laughs> it, it, what I what I really want to know, you know, when we're when we're asking him, when we're asking the question, will there be music, more music in the film, more singing and all that kind of film? Not, are there going to be like clips of you guys sing, sitting around singing a drinking song, but literally like a full three minute thing where the only thing happening on screen is you singing a song the way that, the way that, you know, happens in the book, like the, Oh yeah. Yeah. The Misty Mountain song or a, the orc song or whatever. So that's what I want to know. And I feel like, I feel like his, he didn't really answer that question.
2: No, he didn't really answer that question. No, it's
0: like, and
2: you know, the, the scene where bomber sits on the table and falls, then the table breaks. That's actually at Rivendell. Cause you can see in the background, it's like the scrolly kind of arch- archways, you know, So then it makes me wonder if we're going to have some drinking songs at Rivendell, too. I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see. You know, I actually have uh, calculated now in in light of, you know, the three movies and whatnot and looking back at the book again. And I mean, I can see the book, uh, the movie being two plus hours and still ending at, you know, out of the frying pan or at the very least queer lodgings, you know, where they end up at Bjorns at the end of the first movie. I I,
0: I can I, I don't I can see it being that long i just i feel like that that will mean really dragging some of these scenes out so
2: plus there's gonna be a whole lot to cover in the other two movies too so it's gonna be interesting to see but anyway so yeah so
0: hopefully uh, my my worry about that i mean i know we've we've really beaten this horse to death um (laughs) the the split but my my worry is just that if they go that route um either they're gonna have to do one of two things in the first film uh, they 're either going to have to fill it out with a lot of new white council material and, and possibly even move the chronology around a little bit, right. maybe have Gandalf um, you know or or do some flashbacks or something of him sneaking into dull Golder, or what they 're going to have to do is they're really going to dr- fill out some of these scenes like Goblin Town and the trolls and um bjorn maybe um, and uh or 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 have a really extended period of time in the Shire. In that case, though, you know, like I just think it's going to be really odd if they, if the goblin, if the goblin scenes, the goblin town scenes last half an hour on screen, and then in the next f- two films, because they're so packed, they're spending like five minutes in the yeah. dungeons and two yeah. minutes in Lake Town. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I, I just, well, I see. yeah, you're right.
2: Cause I mean, I was thinking about, it. I could see Goblin town absolutely from what we know about it now being a half an hour. I see the trees, you know, the fire thing and the rescue being at least a half an hour unexpected party half an hour. Um, mm-hmm. you know, and then Rivendell could be easily that if you, if you, especially if you consider Rivendell plus white council as one thing, you know, there's easily a half an hour there and then you fill everything else in and you've got yourself a two and a half hour film. You know, Stone Giants and, you know, whatever, you know, Ross Goble and all that stuff. So, yeah, I mean, you know, but you're right. And then what do you do? The Battle of Five Armies lasts five minutes in
0: the third movie. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's uh, my concern. But uh, I'll stop suggesting the subjective... And then, of course, we then like I said, we have the extended... The split.
2: We have the extended edition already announced for film one, which I think is hilarious. You know, so you know we're getting three movies plus we're getting an extended edition. And of course, if we're going to get it for one, I'm sure we're going to get it for two and three. So we'll end up with like twenty hour, a twenty hour movie eventually once we have all the extended editions out. <laughs> anyway, and That's on true. that note, we should I'll be probably really take a
0: go- see what the extended edition version of this film is <laughs> since we're we're already getting the extended edition in the, the I theater. Know. So the <laughs> so the extended edition uh, uh, uh-huh. disc that comes out is going to be like the, the painfully dragged out. <laughs> yes, yeah, so that'll be called the painfully dragged out edition. Yep. <laughs> that um,
2: even the Tolkien fans will be like, "Oh my god!" Over.
0: Yep. So uh, let's um, let's pose our, our conundrum for okay. this episode, okay? Um, which which relates to the Armitage thing as we promised, and that is. Um, uh, are they going to rewrite Thor's death? And he, obviously you probably can, it, it, the listeners can probably guess what we think because <laughs> we already, we pointed to this, that, that the... Right. That the ev- the evidence from Armitage, if we can take him seriously, and I always take things the actors say with a grain of salt.
2: Oh yeah, I was gonna say I thought you, I thought you were about to say I take him seriously, and we're gonna laugh. <laughs> no,
0: yeah, no, I always take him with a grain of salt. But it, but if we if but but still, I think I think it is you know um, I I don't think the I don't I don't I think very few of these people are experts on Tolkien. Um, but but still, I think they 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 know what's in the script. Right. So anyway. Um, uh, I think that uh, so. Th- so the question is, will they rewrite Thor's death? Um, yes and or no? Him,
2: and have him killed at the battle instead yeah,
0: of at yeah, Moria. Yeah. Or, or I mean, I think for the for the conundrum, we're going to make it even more general. Which is, are they going? Is he basically is Thor going to die in some way other than okay, other than being captured while sneaking into Moria and then being beheaded and having his, okay. his head tossed out? So and that's and,
2: simplified. <laughs> a particular
0: yeah. A particular example, the most likely example is, will he be beheaded by Azog during the battle of Azanulbazar? But just the general so, question is – So basically, will, will the
2: circumstances of Thror's death be different be, than in yeah, the book? Yeah, yeah. Will,
0: they be, okay. will they be different than is portrayed in the appendix of The Lord of the Rings? So, Okay, okay. My answer is yes. I think so that they mine. are going yeah. to – they're going to go the route of he was killed in the battle.
2: Yeah, I do too.
0: Um, I do too. Yeah. Now, this obviously, honorable. this is a pretty big rewriting of history uh, because um, uh, because that battle, in fact, the entire war, was fought entirely because of Thror's death. That's right. But that's the kind of detail that it's very easy to skirt over in a film. Wait, why were you guys fighting these guys? Well, you know, because we hate the goblins. <laughs> and it dates back along long – all right, fine, you know. <laughs> so, so I think I, I think this simplifies the story. So I think yes. Yeah. Okay. And me too. You're, you're saying yes as well.
2: Yeah, I do too. I think it will be. I think it just makes sense. I think
0: it just makes sense because of
2: the ennoblement of the of the dwarves and the whole story. And like you said, I think it simplifies the whole Vendetta thing. We
1: don't mm-hmm. have to get
2: into this whole long thing about Mori You don't even have to bring Mori into the story um, if you leave out, you know, if you change Thor's death. So yeah, I I think I think from a movie making standpoint it makes sense.
0: Cool. Sounds good. Um, So let's – I guess let's start wrapping things up. Uh, um, So just briefly to review sort of various announcements, um, there is going to be a – there is going to be a, a Hobbit filming type event or filming. Hobbit watching weekend, the weekend that it comes out, which is December 14th. Um, there is going to be a Hobbit uh, celebration um, in the area of Baltimore, Maryland. Is that right? Sort of That's generally right. where Corey where Corey lives, sure. and um, the purposes of this are to 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 offer those of you who who can't make your way to New Zealand or don't live in, in in an area with a critical mass of, of hobbit geeks and dorks you know basically we're going to provide you a safe place to go watch the film and, and and to sit and fill out your reels in the dark brochures or grids and complain and, and curse at the screen and all that kind of stuff without driving your your friends who haven't read the books who just want to enjoy a fun action film <laughs> so um, and
2: you can scream at the th- at the screen without you know yep. danger of being taken out by security
0: <laughs> the the, the details aren't settled, but I know that Corey is going to have a – we're essentially going to – we're going to book a, pri- a, a theater. So right. we're going to be in there. It's just going to be us, so it's going right. to be a super fun um, way to watch it. And there's going to be a whole bunch of other events that weekend, panels, meals. Maybe we'll watch some of the Lord of the Rings films. Maybe we'll watch the old Rankin-Bass Hobbit film or something yeah now so. i
2: know the theater has been definitely the deal has been done with the theater and what's holding us up right now is Corey's trying to hammer out where to have the you know he's trying to have a conference venue yes so the re and so the reason for a conference venue is what david just said you know we're gonna have some panels and discussions and hopefully you know cory's going to work on getting other folks there that we would love to hear from and hopefully some of the analysts can come and whatnot so you know that's what's being worked on now and cory just wants to wait until he's got some more details to really really announce the whole thing
0: Cool. Um, so yeah, so we're all set uh, for that. Um, we just want to remind people uh, to go over to the Riddles in the Dark um, Predictions Facebook page and enter their right. predictions. And um, and if you if you start doing that and you get your predictions in there and you consent to being involved in a contest, there'll be an opportunity to win prizes from the Tolkien Professor and That's Myth
1: right. That's right.
0: Um, so go do that Um, to remind you uh, that we love getting your feedback on the Tolkien Professor Facebook page on the predictions page and on the main Mythgard site Mythgard.org that's where we post uh, um, blog posts with show notes and related stuff um, for each episode and that's that's kind of the main place where discussion takes place with listeners so please go there Um, uh, we have a new Reels in the Dark episode coming out soon I don't know if It'll probably have happened by the time this episode is released, but in case it, it in case this comes out before Tuesday, October 9th, then that's <laughs> that's when the next Reels in the dark will be. So we'll hope you'll join us for that. Um, uh, to remind you, our Twitter accounts are uh, Corey's is Prof. mine is Dave Kale K A L E, and Trish, what's yours again? Trish Lambert, uh, we were talking about Twitter? Yeah, at yep. Trish Lambert, all one word. So um, I haven't been very responsive recently, uh, and I apologize for that, but please keep tweeting your your um, relevant Hobbit news uh, uh, and comments and feedback and whatnot there because we like getting it. Um, I want to thank all of our analysts for providing content, um, uh, and uh, that includes um, Mark Fisher of Encyclopedia of Arda, Arwen Kester of Middle Earth News, Sean Gunner. Of The Tolkien Society and Tolkien Gateway, Father Roderick of uh, SQPN, Amel Johansson of LOTR Project, American Golden Star of Casual Stroll to Mordor, Hannah Harlow of Houghton Mifflin, Lillian Elorial of the Warriors of the Westfold podcast, uh, uh, The Last Alliance, the University of Alberta um, uh, Tolkien Society, and their representative Megan Engel. And, of course, most of all, we want to thank our listeners and for all of their contributions, particularly on the Facebook predictions page. So, uh, yeah. so keep it coming, folks. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yep. All right, yep. Trish, um, uh, before before I have you take it away, I'm going to put I, – I, I have a picture I want to share with you. Oh, wait. Do I have it? Yeah, I do. Here we go. Let's see if I can get this to work. I'm going to drop it into the, uh, the Skype um, window.
2: Oh, okay.
0: There we go. All right. It's one all megabyte, right. so it's – it's in there now. Let's see if it comes. I also forward. Oh, it's
2: oh, I did. I did get that forward. You're talking about the toys. The toy? yeah,
0: the one from Mike Thurway. Yes,
2: yes, and it, actually that that is on one of the URLs I I I have listed. The the toy, you know, all the toy figurines. Is that yes. not? It's the it's the Great Goblin toy, and yeah. I guess Mike Thurway says it's actually at. To- Toys R Us, I guess, yes. so it's this, on the is
0: shelf. It, So is this the picture of it, is this the same picture that you've seen?
2: Yeah, I think, okay. it, is. I think I'm, it is. I was wondering yeah. if,
0: if he had gone to a Toys R Us and taken a picture of it. Well,
2: he might have, actually, because, no, I come to think of it now, the one I saw, I think, actually includes... You see, there's a little bit on this. Uh, I think there's a down in the bottom left corner. Mm-hmm. It's like a drawing, and I think that's actually a drawing of Thorin. And I think the one I saw actually, you can see the drawings on the on the sides too. Right. So I think I think Mike actually took this photo.
0: I'll email Mike and ask him if he took it, and if he okay. did, uh, perhaps we'll we'll, uh, we'll actually upload it and include it in the show notes. For this
2: oh time. yeah, we definitely have to. I mean, this is just and they have Thorin. It's Thorin and the Great Goblin together as a as a package, and yep. Thorin looks like i mean this guy this great goblin is if he thorns great as a point of reference <laughs> for size this guy is so huge and ugly it's just unbelievable
0: he's pretty grotesque so. he, is. he is all right right, we'll, we'll include this in the show notes thanks to mike thurway yeah. who's one of my yeah. fellow silmarillion seminar silmarillionaires oh, so awesome all right why don't you take us away trish
2: all right thanks for listening and godspeed Hey, it's Trish. I'm back just to introduce the Richard Armitage audio collage that we talked about in this episode. It's about three minutes long and it's a compilation of, that's Buddha the parrot, of um, interviews that Richard Armitage gave at Comic-Con that I think are really still newsworthy. So enjoy. Enjoy.
1: Um, tell us about Thor and Oakenshield. Who is he? What do we need to know? Where are his vitals? He's, um, he's the exiled uh, dwarf king from, from Erebor, and he's, um, he's taking his people really back on a journey to reclaim their gold and effectively mm-hmm. their homeland. But he's also got quite a personal story in terms of the vengeance that has been bequeathed from his grandfather Thor to, to take revenge on, on Smaug. And also Azov as well, who uh, beheaded him uh, the battle so he comes into the story with quite a heavy burden on his shoulders and uh, and, and it's really kind of uh, balancing that throughout throughout the story and but it's interesting how he kind of comes to know himself through his evolving relationship with Bilbo and his deteriorating relationship with Gandalf and it, Tell us about your character. You're the leader of the dwarves, I believe. Yeah, he's the sort of he's the disenfranchised uh, prince that was sent into exile because of what happened at the at the mountain with with Smaug, and he he takes his his uh, fellow dwarves on on a quest to reclaim their homeland, and it's it's there's a a revenge story for what was reaped on his father and his grandfather but there's also a a much more epic story whereby he's the last of the line of Durin to to reclaim that kingdom and he has to do it for his people are you completely wrapped now or you guys do you have reshoots or anything we are so far from being wrapped (laughs) we've got we we haven't even begun to shoot some some of the fight sequences that need to be made but um we'll be going back into training for that to make sure that that they look so and is there going to be a lot of singing? Is it going to be kind of like a little bit more musical than you know the Lord of the Rings? Yeah, yeah, and there are other songs in it which I which I was kind of hoping for, but I thought, well, are they going to shy away from that? Because, um, but I think the dwar- the culture of the dwarves, you know, the dwarves are kind of raucous, naughty, dirty, filthy <laughs> beasts, and and you know when they party, they party hard. So there is a there's a there's a few drinking songs uh, in there.
0: Oakenshield is kind of this classical lord figure in the books. How do you
1: update this character for modern audiences? Um, I you see. I never really thought of updating it. I actually did the opposite. I I thought of it as uh, more kind of Greek tragedy. Kind of, I looked at Shakespeare. You know, a lot of my preparation, I was looking at uh, Henry V and bits of Richard the Third, just just to find roots in in British literature that were that were kind of deeper. Um, but I think that. Uh, keeping it, feel, making it feel contemporary. They're, they're the, the big themes of the of the story. You know, loyalty and honor and trust and camaraderie. I think those themes are, are contemporary.